0: Welcome to Path to Story, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast, where we focus on the lore, rules, and storytelling of narrative play. Thank you for joining us once again as we pitch our tents, set up camp, and share our tales from along the Path to Story. Your companions around the campfire this episode are...
1: I'm Will, but today, I am Squire Swillington Wretchbite, champion of the Royal Bedchamber.
0: Champion of the Royal Bedchamber. <laughs>
1: Excellent. That's wow. um.
2: It
0: sounds nurgly. It's quite a title, yes. It's quite a title. Yeah, I, I'd I... I'd like
2: to think it's actually flesh eater courts, and it's all in his head.
1: That's yeah. so true. Yeah, sorry. I, very very good. I used the wrong voice. It's more. Of a... <laughs> Squire Swillington wretchbite, champion of the royal bedchamber.
0: I'm both fascinated by and um, absolutely horrified by absolutely. what possibly could have transpired that made him the champion of the bedchamber. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Equal parts of that. Amazing.
1: It's Perfect.
2: Well, I am Harry, but today I'm Vexus gloomfer, envious amnesiac of the Warped Fissure.
0: Ooh, I like that he is envious, but he can never remember what about. See,
1: right. He, to me, I think he's envious of people not being amnesiacs. It's like, that's,
2: that's not
1: even fair, dude. Like, you remember what you had for lunch today? I don't even know what lunch is. I don't even. <laughs> or who you are. What are we talking yeah. about?
2: Jealous of memories. Yeah.
0: Jealous yeah. of memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a particularly tragic character. I mean, that sounds yeah. vaguely Skaveny. Perhaps. A little gloom yeah. fur. But who knows? It could be. It could be dwarven in some fashion.
1: <laughs> A sad like, skaven well. who like doesn't remember other skaven's faces, but also <laughs> he's not sure if he has met them or not. If he exactly right,
0: <laughs> he's just lost forever in Norhols. He's like,
2: which nohole goes to Gur again? I've totally yep. forgotten. Yeah. Forever realm wandering.
0: Man, yep. that might be. You know what? I'm gonna have to say that that might that might have to be an NPC that features in some veins supplemental yeah. content yeah that sounds too yeah, good to. for sure because that's how you make a skaven tame right is their amnesiac and that's why they're not just like constantly conniving and like they're like every five minutes have this new plan but like then they forget it that's right. interesting he, yeah oh, he, he
2: would be scheming but he can never remember them
0: he can yeah. he can never remember them long enough to do any actual damage right. that is very interesting okay. well,
1: he's gonna there's gonna be another skaven with him and it's just going to yeah. be the plot of like Memento, where are <laughs> just like, lying to him this whole time.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, my name is Kieran, but today you can call me Asinos Pitchbrow, Trusted Traitor of the Vanishing
1: Prophecies.
2: He's a traitor, Ooh. but he's trusted. trusted.
0: Trusted Traitor of the if Vanishing Prophecies. If there's one I thing know. you
1: can trust a traitor to do, you can yep. trust them to betray you. Right.
0: I know. I like that with the I was at first I was like, ah, I don't like that. And then I was like, because it's the vanishing prophecies. Yeah. It's like,
1: ooh. Well ooh. and the ooh. great thing about people have this idea of like the you know, all these prophecies that we've written down, they're disappearing, does that mean that they're no longer existing? Yeah. No, it's because has a nose pitch brow, The trusted trader has been stealing them and then giving yeah. them to the enemy.
0: Exactly, yeah. giving them to that exactly. skaven. Actually, that's why they're vanishing. Is because he keeps giving them to the skaven and then the skaven keeps forgetting them. Yeah, only the <laughs> skaven knows. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. God, I mean, that's so funny. Okay, amazing. Well, wonderful team. Uh, we're missing Paul today. Uh, we're very sad about it, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, push on regardless. Um, I will hopefully be featured in this whole episode, which will be delightful because I finally have. I just keep you, you, the phrase, but the 100-foot Ethernet cable, I got the 100-foot one because I was going to order the 50-foot one, and then I was terrified that my it would not reach, and let me assure you, it would reach probably twice over. <laughs> um, so, But I have it now, at least, so yeah. there we go. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So, mm, yeah, let's get into our hobby stuff, shall we? So, yeah. um, anybody have anything they want to talk about? Um, I have a bunch of stuff that um, from last episode that I didn't get to say, so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit.
1: Um, I just have one thing, uh, which is I've been painting up some Flesh Eater Quartz recently, Ooh. hence the choice of the name. Um, here, I'm just going to show off just the paint scheme I have for the flares. Uh, it's all contrast. Oh, oh fantastic. Oh, nice. uh, so it's just like the contrast white for the skin, yep. and then the Flesh Terror red for like the wings and bones.
0: Really striking. It's, yeah, I was going to say that pale within the red.
1: Yeah, it's something I love a lot. And I've been doing it for a bit now because I also, anytime I acquire Dark Oath uh, units, I paint them up in my Flesh Eater court scheme because they are the nice. barbaric tribes of Gur that have been rescued oh, by these noble knights. and brought I into love them. that. That's nice. really cool. Yeah. And it's the, those guys are going to be the retinue for um, Ser Arvin, Who is a Marrow Scroll hero? Oh yes. From the new regiments Um, of renown. Yeah, from the new regiments of renown. Um Games Workshop was able to send us these and I got mine painted up. It was literally like four hours from the box being in my hands to it being assembled (laughs) and him being painted. (laughs) Right,
2: right. That's
0: God. You know what? I need to that that's one of the things I'm gonna do over the next month is like I just need I just contrast get the contrast paints out and just like i'm gonna paint like just a
2: bunch of stuff
0: and just have it it. done
2: pick like four colors yeah Mm -hmm. figure out where they go on each model in your army get those four colors down and you'll be you'll be amazed how quick everything else comes
1: well and the thing that intrigued me that i'd never realized until when i got this model which is Flesh Eater Quartz, they hit that endorphin spot people tell you they get from painting models.
0: <laughs> but who knows if they're ever really being... Yeah, every time <laughs> I hear people say I'm that, like, that.
1: you're crazy, man. Like, i painted Stormcast and Chaos Warriors and Seraphon and OCR. Like, it, it's just not happening. I paint them because I like them being painted, but I don't get it. Yeah. And then right. I start painting ghouls, and I just hit that zone. Like, you know what? This is it. This is what I've been That's waiting for. awesome. Just contrast on skin. But they're mostly skins, so I'm good yeah, to go. <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> I feel like you're going to be a very happy bunny because I, I know you were talking about this on Twitter, Well, but with the return of the uh, the Summer King potentially being hinted at yes. some of the new fiction, I'm sure ghouls are going to have a couple more releases and a couple more things coming up. So the stories
2: are all pointing that way. They mm-hmm.
0: certainly are. They certainly are.
1: It's all leaning that way, yeah, which is actually something with the ghouls we'll talk about later because we have an overarching conversation about the release schedule. Yes. but I don't want to jump to that just yet. I know y'all have hobby as well.
0: So don't turn, don't pause your podcast yet. You got to stay listening.
1: (laughs) Some hot release schedule. Hot release
0: schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Harry, what about you?
2: So for me, um, I'm trying to stay focused. Uh, I am excited about the other Warhammer, uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand, going into a I new edition. I, a I know, I know. <laughs> um, and it's it's motivated me to pull out some of my older models as well as uh, pick up some newer ones, and uh, and work on um, my my love of all time is yeah, the Dark Angel Space Marines. So I've been working on those, but. I am trying to stay focused on my Slaves to Darkness for this Path to Glory campaign. And so I've got two things that, that I've really been focused on for that. The first was I managed to get my hands on the event-exclusive Dark Oath Chieftain and oh, built him. Absolutely amazing. Uh, model. Yeah. just a great model. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's a uh, push-fit model, um, which oh, surprised okay. me. Yeah, um, that is interesting. I think I read somewhere that the sculptor had originally sculpted that one as a proposed um, dark oath model for silver tower. And then they ended up going Uh, with the other sculpt, Mm. but this one uh, remained push fit, uh, easy to build. So it went together like a dream. Uh, It's such a great pose, um, really good detail, hardly any mold lines. That's um, nice. You know, I've got so many older models that I've just spent hours and hours cleaning mold lines on. And I've got to say, it it still amazes me when I get some of the newer models, how little cleanup you actually have to do.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but speaking of older models, I've also had for a little while now, this guy. I don't yeah. know if you guys can see him. Ooh,
0: is that the Harry the Hammer?
2: That is Harry wow. the Hammer. Excellent. Um, Very He topical. was the yeah it was the 25th anniversary uh model for the celebration of 25 years of warhammer and uh, and so i've had him for a little bit i i'd always wanted to get him i picked him up maybe a year or two ago sometime back during the pandemic and i got him and i pulled out all the pieces and looked at him and he's a metal model I was um, he's got this them, big scenic thought, yeah. base and i was just like Oh, my goodness, there's so many mold lines. <laughs> uh, there's so much clean up. I'm going to have to pin this guy. Yeah. Like, and I just didn't have the motivation to work on him for a long time. Yeah. And then and then this last skulls event mm-hmm. where they were celebrating the um, the all the the video games, yeah, the games so. workshop licenses. Yeah. Total War released as a free uh, dlc to everybody who has total war 3 harry the hammer as a download well not entirely just downloadable you still have to do some quests in the game to yeah, unlock him because he's a um, hero right or is he a he elite? is he's a, a hero. hero yeah yep. um but man as soon as i saw him i was like that guy's amazing uh, and i remembered hey hero. i've got that model let me go get it yeah and so i I went and got him I pulled out my files I pulled out my my pin vise and my my paper clips I'm like okay I'm gonna do this yeah and just like in a a flurry of activity over the course of a couple of days I got him built got all the pieces cleaned up built him um sprayed him now I do have him separate from the scenic base because there's so many skeletons and spears that make up that scenic base. Sure. Um, I'd never be able to to do them justice, painting wise. You're like it uh, would weigh a metric ton. If well, we it, do it, do it does. <laughs>
0: I just I haven't actually seen the scenic base, but I'm picturing the new Horus Ascendant where he's just on all of those skeletons. Right. It's
2: yeah. Very, very similar to that. I'll have to i to show yeah, it to you guys yeah. when I get, uh, or get put together the
1: GoTrek model, where like a oh, pile yeah. of Skaven. Right. is Almost as big as he is.
2: Yep. Yep. It's definitely like that. It takes a model that easily fits on a 40 mil base and makes it a 60 mil minimum. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, of course poses some challenges for how I'm going to run this guy because I'd like to just run him as a chaos Lord. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Adam in as a, a chaos Lord to my army, but a chaos Lord is a 32 millimeter, uh, base, mm. Mm. um,
0: custom rules. Right. Custom right. Rules. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so,
2: an exalted hero of chaos. Um, or exalted champion. I don't have a, the war in front for him. He is on a 40 millimeter base. As you guys remember, there was a big back and forth on what base is he going to be on. And he Actually, is on a 40 mill.
1: Yeah, Slurd is also on a 40.
2: Is yeah. he on a 40 mill now? They're, they okay.
1: both got moved up to 40.
2: That's right. That's right. With the new Battle Tome, they did both get moved up to 40 yeah. mill. So he would easily fit on a 40 mill without the scenic base. But I love that scenic base. So he's right. going to go on a 60 millimeter base. I don't want to run him as a mighty lord of corn because he's gonna be part of my my slaves to darkness. So I thought, you know what? I think this is gonna be a a case of anvil of apotheosis. Yeah. We're gonna work him up as Harry the Hammer using the anvil of apotheosis. So once I get that those uh, those rules worked up, I'll share that with you guys. But um, that's how he's gonna appear in my army.
1: Yeah, I will suggest a small homebrew rule. Um, It's not a huge change but because it is harry the hammer who makes the undead fear him yeah Mm. uh there is the artifact helm of the oppressor which means enemies within a certain distance can't receive the command that makes them immune to rolling battle shock right oh yeah the flesh eater (laughs) corp terrain already has this rule so it's already in the game which Mm -hmm. is within that same distance Enemies can't use any ability or command that makes them immune to battle shack. Oh, if you just change it to that, love
2: that it doesn't change
1: anything for the mortal living enemies. Right. Right. But it does mean the undead can fear him. Yep. Which is his big thing. Yep.
2: Yep. That is,
0: I know we talked about this a lot already, you know, on various episodes, but like that is, if you're ever looking listeners for, um, like, how do I make custom rules? Like, I have to be like a, a game designer and everything. It's like, no, honestly, go and pour over the, the, you know, just all of the small little rules and things that come up in, and you just find something you like that will work. You can change the thing at targets. You can change a little, you know, just here and there, mm-hmm. add it in and all of a sudden it it, it is totally... It feels so unique and so brand I think it's, yeah, it's such a brilliant.
2: Uh, right. And that, that perfectly matches what his Warhammer fantasy battles rules were. Cause I did yeah. go back and find those from white dwarf oh, amazing. Um, when they, when they announced or when they released that model, they had rules in white dwarf that I believe gab Thorpe wrote up and um, yeah, it was, you know, cause in Warhammer fantasy battles, the undead were immune to, you know, fear and terror, but he had a special rule where they basically got those fear effects so cool. applied to them because of his hatred of the undead so yeah yep no that's perfect i like that thank you
1: yeah of course well i was thinking about it too cuz i was like there needs to be harry the hammer back in aos like it's the 40 year anniversary 100%. he he was like the first warhammer character right bring him back right absolutely even if it's not harold hammerstorm
2: Mm-hmm. It's a
1: different like, herald. Maybe, maybe it's care. like
0: Sigma. Actually, like in a plot twist, it's one of those guys that like he saves the tiny piece of their soul of chaos, and like maybe he's Harry the
1: Hammer, but he's a stormcast. I feel like they will do that and will upset people. Yeah, that's fair, right. That's right. Fair. <laughs> like, how how dare you stood where he stood? I yeah, was going to say,
2: I think there are, there may already be some anvils of the Hammer that were taken specifically for their hatred of the undead. Yes, uh, so yeah, okay. we may enough. have already seen him under a n- different name.
1: Yeah, it's uh, called the the Prime.
2: Oh, the Celestin Prime. Pl- yeah, the, the Celestin, Celestin Prime. Prime.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, it's that. Harry the Hammer, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> Harry. yeah. Who's his call guy?
0: This that's is Harry. Right.
1: He has the Hammer.
0: He's the Hammer. That's really funny. Okay, amazing. <laughs> Harry, Anything else you wanted to mention?
2: Nope, that, that's pretty much it for, for Hobby for me.
0: <laughs> amazing my okay so for me uh because i didn't really get to update you guys a lot last month um the actual last month so what will be like may um i has been phenomenally busy for me um various things with work i have literally not been able to do anything however um from this like from this week onward i am like free as a bird for a couple months uh in terms of like i don't have a bunch of really big projects do or whatever so i can do i have a lot more time to hobby which i'm very excited about um but prior to that i (laughs) mentioned a couple episodes ago i'm gonna build dominion and then i'm gonna build arcane cataclysm for the next episode we gave it a good old college try and i did manage to build quite (laughs) a lot um so i'm getting through that i'm about halfway through dominion um built all the hobgrotts and the uh gut rippers and
1: i mean that's uh, all you need so we're good to go. i know
0: i was like and will would be like so you built dominion yeah exactly um and you know what it was like i actually found myself looking forward to doing it more i actually will you were just talking about like the dopamine Mm -hmm. um i was like getting small like bits of that and it was a lot of it is partly to do harry what with what you were just talking about um actually it's so different going from just looking at the models online even on their sprues you know on on like the product pages on on GW's website but like to then actually have it in your hands and you're like beginning to cut it out and like get rid of the mold lines and stuff and you're just like the the genius of the people who sculpt these miniatures is I just was in fresh awe of it because it was kind of one of the first times that I really sat down and did it for a bunch of models and you know, it's like not even like you know your hero character level guys it's like the little hobgrots and it's mm-hmm. like just the way that they've blended mold lines into the curvature of the arms to make it easy you know they're hiding things in certain places mm-hmm. just the way that they're put together um and the small little details that until you've actually done this and of course everybody listening who's been in this hobby for a lot, lot longer than i have um you know this is like yeah Duh, obviously. Um, but
2: for no, me, but it's still amazing. Like, it is.
0: And for me, the last time I built any models like en masse were my like dwarf rangers from the Lord of the Rings like miniature game, yeah. uh, which is now Middle Earth battle game, you know, um, well over 10 years ago, probably more like 15 years ago now. Um, and so to really like get up close with these models and actually take my time and kind of see it was just the artistry and the beauty, even in how these things go together, was just phenomenal i really really enjoyed seeing it really enjoyed getting the grips of some of these models so was that me or is that so yes the goal will be to continue finishing uh dominion arcane cataclysm uh get some things painted up and slap a bunch of uh, contrast paint on them just to get uh, again i think actually progressing with the hobby and being like look i have units painted and then i can kind of go from there and be like great now i can like kind of learn to paint a little bit more but i think the 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 dopamine hit of like finishing things even just building these units was like oh my god amazing and i have like a little little spreadsheet where i like move them over into like mm-hmm. build you know complete right. so that, that was very exciting yeah um but yeah that's just been so much fun and then the other thing was um i went back to the uk to visit family for a couple of weddings and things like that um over the over last month uh and one of the things that i picked up because i you know I'm always ordering warhammer we'll stuff but when it's significantly cheaper in the uk or only available yep. in the UK, i'll send it to my family's house and then pick it up when i go over was i got the first 14 issues of stormbringer the magazine. oh my UK, so that is very very exciting um it means that i came away with like i have like a storm i forget what it is but it's the stormcast chariot uh, mm-hmm. was the yeah. came up. a lot of the things were like. Repeats from Dominion, but that's exciting because it's kind of like, ooh, okay, now I have 20 gut rippers instead of just gut rippers um and then i have like you know three extra um like praetors and then the new praetor prime model which is unique and exclusive to the that print run
1: oh uh, yeah
0: it's super cool like uh she's like unhelmeted and kind of is holding the step. it's just like a gorgeous model it looks so great Yeah. so i'm excited to get this built um so i have a bunch more stuff now to build finally that's awesome um so that's very very exciting it's been um despite it being kind of like the last month has been kind of quiet uh, for me in terms of hobby. It's been very loud in terms of everything else. Um, Super duper excited to kind of like really dive into these and, and uh, actually get some games played as well. So I'm hoping that next week, next week, next month, uh, I'll also have, uh, I still have a whole you know bunch of tabs pulled up of like uh, different methods of playing like, you know, solo Warhammer. So I'm very, very excited right. to kind of go through that and like be like, Oh, because I realize that for all the battle reports I've watched, for all the, like, conversations we've had, I have not yet played a game of Age of Sigmar yet. Yeah. And, it's like this is, yeah. and this is episode six of a podcast that's only about Age of Sigmar. And I have literally not even played a game yet. So
1: specifically about playing
0: <laughs> Exactly, yeah, yeah. So I'm, like, excited to do that. So I'm going to do a couple skirmishes with just, like, little units and kind of go from there and, uh, and do that. So yeah. very, very excited. I'm hoping that um, I'm just, you know, just going to come back completely changed um and have had a revelation uh for
1: next episode so yeah. you come back what? like you know what i don't like this game <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought this I was want, good but i hated it i yeah. want off this ride, I off this ride.
0: <laughs> is it too late is it too late now um i'm also very obsessed with seraphon right now and the the uh, and i'm like no i have to build the disciples oh, of Zinge, i have so to build cool. the Lumineth. I have to build the storm, guys. I have to build the Uryx. I can't also, but I can and I will build the fifth arm at some point. So, um Of course. Absolutely obsessed with the new Seraphon. They're my favorite faction in Total War, Warhammer. Um, yeah. I'm so pleased with the model refresh, the, the range refresh. It just, they are fantastic. So, yeah, we'll potentially see some of those things in the future. But They that's definitely my- are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have a small Seraphon force that... I was about to start plugging away at until ghouls came. Until ghoul, ghouls arrived,
0: sorry. darkened your doorstep and made you love painting. Yeah. These
2: things happen. These things happen. Yeah.
0: I was t- talking to will just before we started recording. I have an idea for like a Seraphon army that I was like scribbling down, and it's kind of like what would like what would Seraphon and Olgu look like? You know, like how yeah. like, less force I in love Olgu, it? Where it's kind of I like because they are all about like stars and light and like you know very like that centered. And so I was like, ooh, what would that look like? So they might be seraphon who like um are convinced that the things that swim in the outer void in the etheric void are actually the old ones and are kind of like forsaking the current old ones to try to sort of Hmm. figure that out um
1: not a bad idea, because the battletome does have conspiracy theorists. Land, so.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So my idea with this one as well is that like most of the Seraphon uh treat them as heretical and like, you know, they're yeah. they're like how dare you. Um but uh seemingly as part of the great plan, uh Lord Croak, uh the only reason they still survive is that Lord Croak decreed unequivocally that quote, no slam or skink is to lay a hand on them or get in the way. Um, nice. so, some, so it's like oh well for whatever reason they're allowed to be doing this however some groups definitely treated that as a pedantic interpretation and we're like great so we can send crocs a after them of them after them. <laughs> thinking <laughs> that croak would uh you know not like that but actually that has also mysteriously been allowed so far mm. so um perfect it's kind of this interesting like anti seraphon seraphon that have some of croak's blessing and also not so we'll see uh, but possibly like modelling them with like fins and stuff, kind of like little Idenethy sort of like to kind of like swimming in the etheric void kind of deal. So like yeah. maybe like sort of a little bit Ideneth, um, where they're kind of seeking the, the the this prophecy of the stars reflected. Um, um, so very all going.
1: There but, is yeah. a story uh, in the battle tome where. The Ideneth discover aquatic lizards. <laughs> and I, think,
0: I think I think that in. was partly. Yeah, I'm so glad, Yeah, I think that was partly what inspired it. When I was, I haven't read it back to front yet, but flipping through, and I was like, "Ooh, that would be really cool." Like, I love this idea. Um, so, yeah, we'll see Perfect. how, when, and if that materializes. But um, yeah, I had this name that they're searching for the moon in the mirror beneath. So we'll see if that
2: nice.
1: I, yeah. I do think it is a little unfair with the latest Seraphon battle tome um, because. Traditionally, the standard paint schemes they have for all the factions and sub-factions, they're supposed to be easy to replicate, and it's to, like, inspire people. Right. Knowing that you're going to create your own thing, but the paint scheme for Dracothian's tail is too good. Nothing so good. <laughs> I've seen compares. I've seen amazing no. Seraphine paint schemes, but it's I still, know. like it's the too
0: best good I've seen. it is i like that's honest to god one of the things that i found most difficult with this is like seeing everybody like you're saying am like amazingly painted seraphon online i i have like folders now full of just like pictures for inspiration but yeah i still have i feel like i still haven't <laughs> found like a scheme that i like more than that one and i'm like yeah. oh i gotta like something's gotta pop you know
2: right so what what colors are you going with for your stormcast because you have all those dominion guys plus the mm-hmm. I the do. magazine guys well
0: i keep being drawn so i've talked about this on the show before but like my main lumineth force the twins which um i'm also excited this uh month to kind of do a little bit more um i think i'm going to set a little bit more of a stage of like things that are happening in olgu of like what the twins are doing there because they're hunting storm vaults but yeah. where it's not just them that actually as as i'm playing and going along that i'm kind of keeping track of all of these factions so that they're kind of like you know all equally sort of sharing the stage um because I like the idea of them from Hish going to Olgu. I just have this fascination with Olgu. I don't know what it is. I think it's just like because it's so mysterious and so like ooh. That a lot and a lot of the factions, especially from Order, where a lot of their imagery is so reliant on like light, starlight, the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, then saying, okay, well, what does this faction look like in Olgu, which is very shadowy, dark, like. um is a really interesting thought exercise so i've really enjoyed kind of like doing some world building for that so the storm cast i still need to figure it out but i really really want to do this like shadowy like like something like the pale lords or something or like not the pale lords but like the pale guard or like the gray host or something um as this like storm host that's kind of like you know and there's a thunderstorm at nighttime, and it's like the only, you know, it's like darkness and mist, and then the you know, there are these thunder claps and lightning, and you'd like see them briefly for a second, and then the light goes and away, that, and yeah. kind of thing. So some kind of like, yeah, Olgu and Stormhost, like what would that look like? So we'll see. Um hmm. trying to not make everything just like dark and black. Yeah. So we'll see.
1: But... Um Yeah, Olgu, it feels like everything's pointing to. Something happening in Olgo? Yeah, Just I mean the we're, fact that mm-hmm. it's like one of the few realms we haven't focused on yet. Totally. And I across yeah. the battle tomes, like they've been leaking yeah. out more things happening. Totally, it's like coming. Ko battle tome. They built oh, like a, a moving Ko ship. Yeah. Stormkeep around a realm gate for Um Misthaven to right. fight against Marath. So it's like okay yeah stuff is happening
0: stuff is happening here i wonder if that i wonder if like malarion is the flagship kind of like release for fourth edition oh, so i mean who knows we're we're probably too far away to like you know i'm sure they're even but i part like will we see it before will we see it? and part of me thinks it will release with fourth edition i don't think we'll get it before then but maybe
1: so there are several thoughts because there's sure. something like similar to uh, world Eaters were technically a new army, and they yeah. were right before the end of the edition. Right. Um, for Age of Sigmar, we always kind of have a new army that comes out for the end of an edition whose battle right. tome is written with the next edition. Sure.
0: Line. Yes.
1: Uh, for third, it was like Grave Lords. Right. Right. They quickly got a new battle tome for third edition, but yeah, like Eidyneth, they literally had the new like. Designed, it was a yeah. second edition battle yeah. that they released early, and they've been doing that pretty much for every kind of edition. Mm. So, I feel like we may get something new before release, be cool. yeah. But I feel like the release one is going to be Chaos Dwarden, yeah. Oh, interesting, yeah. even even in the box, the edition starting box for third edition, it's like, oh, yeah, Chaos Dwarden exists and they worship Hashut, yeah. and they're yeah. what you think they are. Anyway, and then they just keep anyway, like right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's like okay, yeah. they've been leaning the this way all edition.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I wonder mm, you know what? This is no, I'm not even gonna get into it. I was gonna talk about Grungi and like whether we'll see a Grungi or Grundia model as part of that, but you know.
1: Uh I mean maybe. Because we're kinda moving to the next topic, which is
0: Yeah, let's for the moment that on. we were talking
1: yeah. about before we recorded and we were like, wait, no, this, we need this juice yep. for the show.
3: This which is just talking
1: about the release schedule in general. Yep. Um, Kind of a, an open known thing that the edition cycle is about three-ish years. Yeah. And yep. we are yep. in the end of year two. Yeah. You know, yep. it's the same time frame that 40K, it's getting its new edition. So we yep. can reasonably expect next year um and next man. year is
0: also the fifth year of no 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 sorry 10 year of 10 year anniversary no, I think of AOS? We're at seven right or uh, yeah f- so it, was like it, it was 2015, was 2015. Yeah, sure oh of course i've done i was to think yep, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is
2: eight this year yeah so we've got two more yeah um yeah i don't i don't think that fourth edition aos will be delayed just to coincide with the sure. 10 year uh mark for uh age of sigmar I'm pretty sure that Will's on the money there that their their cycle will be uh, a big box release next summer for Age of Sigmar. And that'll probably be some updates to the rules. Um, We've got the Dawnbringer Crusades coming this year, which is a big multi-book narrative um, series that's going to at least introduce in the first book. We know it's going to introduce four new heroes. Yeah. Um and some new regiments of renown. Yep. Yeah. Um I anticipate that more new stuff will be released with each of those books. Yeah. And it's gonna continue to probably tweak the way the game is played. Yeah. And you know, we've already seen them trying out rules right. mm-hmm. with the General's Handbook. Yeah. Um and I and I'll say I haven't paid as much attention on the uh the 40k side of the house. But in Age of Sigmar, especially within Third Edition, they've done a lot of infusing narrative, even in the match play rules, and even in the match play yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, releases, the general's handbooks that they've come out with periodically with yeah. each new season. It's all driven by the narrative of them breaking out across Thandia right. and you know fighting in Gallet and all the rules it's given them a good story arc in which to try out these rules
0: yeah for sure and we've seen like supplements i know will and um uh paul talked about this before but like the supplements in white dwarf where we've seen campaigns and we've mm-hmm. seen like narrative uh shifts it really it's kind of we were we were just chat before we start recording it it's really that exciting time in an edition cycle where we've sort of, now we're coming to the end of every faction getting their rules updated. And now we've got like, you know, a year and a half where it's like, Ooh, well, we're not got a new edition release yet, but we've still got all this content coming out, especially as we've seen some of the, you know, the, the calendar coming up. Yeah. Um, and it's really exciting that we're hopefully going to be getting more. I mean, it seems like that, like you're saying this huge narrative arc um, with again, Regiments of Renown were like a big feature of this first book. I can only imagine that's going to continue for the next few books.
3: Mm -hmm. Fingers Um, crossed.
0: Fingers crossed, which also really makes me excited for like, path to story stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's story. Path
0: to glory stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> the, if they want to the really path to story stuff, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's good yeah.
0: Um, But yeah, that we'll see not just then like individual faction rules, but like, hey, here's like how you run a campaign. And we're going to talk about this again in a second. But a lot yeah. of white dwarfs recently have also talked a lot about how you run campaigns with friends, how you do narratives. Um, so a lot in that, in fact, the most recent white dwarf had which to everybody's critical acclaim which i also was so happy to see the like how to make custom terrain right from home like that was amazing i remember when that used to be again in the old lord of the rings like you know the two towers manual it was like here's how you make a you know a rohan fence out of like you know your your sticks and stuff so it's really exciting to see that as well and so makes me very very excited right yeah
2: yeah And, and i get that it can be discouraging or 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 intimidating Uh, especially for players out there, um, like some of us who, who don't get as many games in as we'd want. Um, you know, it's, I, I can easily go a month just with, um, work and, and family and not, not get a game in of Age of Sigmar. Um, so it can be frustrating to, you know, have new rules come out, you run out, you buy your battle tome you're working on your models and and you're like excited to play but you just don't get to it and then next thing you know oh they're already changing things on there. right um, and it's kind of funny because i do remember a time in the hobby when you would go months if not years without any updates to to your yeah. army yeah um no new models you it, you were just Stuck with what you had until the next time it rolled around, and it could be several years. Um, until several. Were... Uh,
1: if I remember, it could be several editions. It could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
2: it it's definitely better to have it the way we have it now than the way it was, yeah. um, if you ask me. But I I do sympathize. Like it can be it can be frustrating. Um, but along with that, I just want to encourage the listeners that you don't have to keep up with everything that's new exactly like if you got your third edition battle tome and you're playing your army with your friends just using the points out of the back of that book that's fine
3: yeah Mm -hmm. like you don't
2: have to run out and buy the newest generalist handbook um and use the latest points if you don't want to yeah like if that's what your game group wants to do, if you want to stay up on the latest points and adjust your armies um, based on that, then then go ahead. And in fact, um, I don't know, have we talked about this on a previous episode about adjusting our Path to Glory rosters and our order of order battle based off of points changes? We
1: had not talked about points changes. We have talked about when you get into a whole new book and there's even rule changes on top right. of point changes right. and how to handle that.
2: Yeah. So it, it's kind of up to you and your, your opponents um, how you're going to handle that exactly. No. Um, personally, i I don't have an issue with if the points change and um because the, the new points are provided for free we don't have to buy the newest uh, general's handbook if we don't want to yep. just for the points um you can go and take your roster and you know hopefully you wrote in pencil and and uh, erase the old points values and and write the new points values and use those as a guideline for like your recovery rolls how many um glory points you're going to spend on that i wouldn't worry about oh i spent this number of points to recruit that unit to my roster but now their points have changed it's in the past i would just maybe use that as a guideline going forward for future battles but i won't worry about um you know the glory point costs to add those units at their old points values
0: correct i think that's what's so exciting too yeah with the new release schedule is that because we finally got a lot of that out of the way it's like um you know aaron always talks about this on the uh story phase but um they've kind of moved away from advancing the story within individual battle tomes, and now it's kind of like ooh, now we're kind of getting a little bit more juicier stuff of like oh presumably i mean it already seems like that in some of the micro fiction we've got they are going to be advancing the story with Doombringer crusades mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and so that is very very exciting i mean when you look at the last two examples we have of this which were um broken realms and then how very very similar they've just done the arcs of omen in 40k at yeah. the end of uh, broken realms we got kragnos and at the end of arcs of omen we got lionel johnson and so it makes yeah. you think like what is the end of dawn going to be like mm-hmm. are we going to see another bigger reveal like that but either way that we're moving forwards again which is very very exciting yeah. yeah
1: well and to the point of like you had mentioned like oh we're pretty much out of the way with the armies a complaint i've heard a few times from folks is they're releasing things too quickly it's been 24 months since the edition came out and we've had 22 army books come out right out of the 24, there's two left. And so, like on average, that's a book a month. Yeah. And right. it is coming out very quickly. If what you care about is getting every book or knowing every book, if you're right. buying competitively. And if that's what you do, yeah, it could seem pretty fast, especially yeah. if you're dropping that money on a, a book every month. But now we're at a spot where you won't have that complaint anymore because there's only two armies left for the whole year. Yeah, that we know of yeah. unless yep. there's a, a secret new army that I, I i personally think might happen like springtime just before more the edition like, yeah, right i don't see us having more than three battle tomes before the end of the edition
2: no probably not it's like we, what we've done is
0: rush through our vegetables so that now we can get to the dessert
1: everyone needed their third edition rules yeah, right. So they came out very quickly to get everyone that because otherwise you're going to be the dude who waited yeah. three years, got your book the yeah. month before the edition changes. Yeah, yeah. and
0: that feels worse. Yeah, of yeah. those two things, that is the ask, worst option. As the
1: yeah. Imperial Guard and the world yeah. leaders players. <laughs> like, that's we're in a better spot now for the rest of the year. The rest of the third edition, I think, is where we want to be. Everyone has rules, we're getting narrative, yeah. we're getting narrative rules, we're getting new things that aren't just shaking the meta up by releasing a new army.
0: Right. And that's the fun thing with like the books, the, the narrative books as they come out is that there's usually four or five featured factions. So it's yeah. like now it's like, Oh, when a new book comes out, everybody gets a little bit of something. And that's exciting. Mm-hmm. So you're not having to wait so long that you are like, ooh, everybody gets something.
2: Right. And and now that everybody's gotten an updated battle tome, that also means that everyone's got path to glory rules. Um, you know, so any any new stuff we see in these campaign books, path to glory wise, is probably going to be a lot more universal. Yeah, you know, maybe we'll see a little more with outposts. We'll see um, more with maybe uh, campaign specific territories or campaign specific artifacts. There's a lot of a lot of things that, that they really can do that will benefit players regardless of what army they're playing.
0: So freaking excited. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. It's the best. It's so good. What a what a good time to be a narrative.
2: Player. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. really is.
1: And we're in a brilliantly awkward spot where like when this episode comes out. Right, you all will know this. stuff. Yeah, right, <laughs> right.
0: And we, even as hosts, are in that awkward spot where like Will knows a little bit more because Maybe. he's more of an established, yeah. like you know, um, and, and 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 often is privy to that information. Harry and I do not, <laughs> and so we're also kind of like having these conversations where like you know we're spitballing, and and uh, it's funny because Will's like, well, they will know soon, <laughs> and then yeah. yeah, you as listeners will also be, you know, yelling at us being like, yeah, it's that that you know about now. And so right. that is uh, that is quite funny.
1: It's so, a good spot for you guys to, like, make predictions and then, like, be able to... It, go, well, like, exactly. Oh. I, I yeah. like that a lot, and I
0: like throwing them out. And I, um yeah, it's it's definitely very fun. And then I can't wait to come back next episode for Will to be like, you were so off the mark. with Not even close, <laughs> mate. Like, what? You thought Marathi was going to do what?
1: Come on, man. Come on, man. Um, yeah, well, and, like, the the larger point of every three years have to get rid of your rules and start a new edition but we're at least at a spot where like you were saying harry the the edition itself is stable now yeah right We know what's happening yeah and that's a good that's a good place to be
2: (laughs) and again to reassure players like yes the community as a whole the game as a whole will move on to a new edition and as new battle terms come out you'll want to get the updated rules for your army but you don't have to. Nice. You really don't. Your models still work with old rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you and your opponents are happy with, let's say, second edition, and that's how you want to play Age of Sigmar, all they the battle tomes are, fr- right. are not free, but they're cheap out there. Yeah. And you can get them, and you can play with almost every model that's out right now. There are a few that don't have rules for second edition. But you can play with them, and you can you can have fun. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So, like, I I just I I want to encourage people not to get suckered into that that rhetoric that's out there, of oh, they're changing it so fast, and I can't keep up, and yeah. and I can't enjoy this hobby, and like it's you can, you can enjoy the hobby however you and your opponents want to enjoy the hobby. Yeah. However you have fun doing it.
1: Like, for examples, like, let's take Stormcast. They got their Battle Tome two years ago, Mm -hmm. and outside of that, the only thing a Stormcast player who wants to stay competitive needed to do is get the General's Handbook. Yep. And maybe now, with the new Warcry box that's got the Stormcast in it, maybe you feel like you need to get that too.
2: Yep. I
1: don't know, that's not that much. Like,
2: It's, it's really not. And, and like, I know that if you're used to say video games, then a lot of video games come out with patch updates or upgrades that are free content wise. But when they come out with a new game, you still have to drop 60 to 80 bucks, just getting up, you know, a new edition of that game. Like when we moved from total Warhammer Total War Two to Warhammer Total War Three, yeah, you can still port over all your all the old factions thanks to immortal Empires, but you have to buy the new game yeah.
1: um I'm just making a realization of. It's more expensive to be a Call of Duty hobbyist at this point than to be a Warhammer hobbyist. It really,
2: it really is. You need and to
1: buy the new console and then the new game every year.
2: And, and that's where I came to a realization. $20 is, skins. Right. There, yeah. are, there are games that I was playing in the late 90s on the PC that I have. I have the CD-ROMs to play those games, but I don't have a computer that can run them. No. And I don't want to put the money into building some retro machine to run them. I guess I could go buy them on GOG or something like that again, but I already own them.
3: Right. Um,
2: And, and let's be honest, compared to the games that are out now, they're not as much fun. I have models that I bought in the late nineties that are great. Still have paint on them. Still can be represented by right. war scrolls. And I can still play Warhammer with them. Yeah. So over time I feel like Yeah. Warhammer ages better as a hobby. Now that's just my opinion.
1: Invest now. But <laughs> In right. But now. I feel yeah.
2: like it it <laughs> ages better as a hobby. It's a hobby that you, you can take forward for years, if not decades, and still get enjoyment out of. Yeah.
0: Um the last thing I'll say on that too is like even just like kind of digging into the numbers, I just pulled up the um which, as far as i can tell is the most recent like uh age of sigma meta watch we have but it was in april of this year yeah. um is that actually because i was thinking about okay going into fourth edition with third edition battle tones it felt like and again a lot of this for me is just things i've read online and like the general like vibe i obviously was not playing during second edition but it felt like uh there were certain factions uh that when they got their third edition battle tomes, everybody was like oh Finally, they were really struggling. They really needed the, like, you know, the help. So now actually third edition is a remarkably balanced game in terms mm-hmm. of like win, which, you know, the way that we kind of figure that out is like the win rates of certain armies, right?
1: <clears throat> at tournaments.
0: At, at tournaments, exactly. For right. which we have data. So all of, it's like caveat, asterisk asterisk asterisks. Uh-huh. Um, but given that data, it is remarkably... Balanced and that gives me so, for example, I have it pulled up here is that the Cruel Boys are the lowest win rate at 44%, and the Disciples of Zeech uh, are the highest win rate. Again, this is up, as of April with 60% win rate. The fact that that is 16% between the top and the bottom of 24 factions is wild. Mm-hmm. Like, that is such a good, like, that is incredibly tight. Games Workshop tends to operate on a, on a, um, So long as win rates are between 45% and 55%, that's like their sweet spot. That's what they're aiming for with like balances. So we only have here like what six factions that are outside of that metric, um, which is just amazing. And so actually it gives me a lot of hope going into fourth edition that, uh whereas kind of some second edition rules were probably maybe you you could notice it in third edition of like oh maybe it didn't feel quite as good that actually a lot of our third edition rules are really well-rounded really thought out really have developed because some some of them it's like these armies have actually maybe needed three editions have needed seven years to get to a point in the development cycle bearing in mind they can't work on it all the time where actually Yeah, finally, in the the third edition of things, they've really hit their stride with, like, that's what this army is supposed to do. Especially some of the ones, like, I think about Seraphon, um, where they had this really core identity for years and years and years in Warhammer Fantasy Battle. And I think it has taken them a little while to find out, like what does seraphon look like in age of sigmar specifically like not yeah. just not just recreating lizard man how awesome do the they look
2: awesome they look awesome, awesome. they look so yeah. good
0: but the rules too that like I, I feel like this new battle tome um absolutely nails it it's so yeah. good and so that's exciting anyway of like I, again last thing i'll say is that going into fourth edition that um even if it feels like oh you know we just got rules for seraphon and then a year and a half later a year later we're you know into a new edition it's like actually i have a lot of hope that um the third edition rules will actually be a lot more viable and last a lot longer. Not feel like, oh my God, we need an update as much right. as the second edition to third edition did. So yeah. it's in a good spot. 40K players are always, anytime their meta watch comes out, they are always uh like compare it to the AOS one of how well balanced uh Age of Sigmar is compared yeah. to 40K. Because the 40K meta watches have like swings of like you know, 30% win rates and 70% win rates, which is like wild. Like that is such a spread, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, my last point on this topic is AOS, especially this edition is in such a good spot that they just took it and used it for 40K. So
0: that I mean, what more of a ringing endorsement could you, yeah, that they have seen the AOS team and been like, wow, this is how you make a balance game. This is how you make rules that last and will work with each other. 24 different factions and yeah you're so right have literally gone right our flagship because i think all of us would still say as popular as aos is 40k is still the thing that like most people associate with warhammer especially on the competitive scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it's been so successful in age of sigma that they've actually then trusted it with the big franchise and so if that doesn't tell you anything about the state of age of sigma i don't know what does
1: yeah Yeah. um i just remembered one of the thoughts i had that made me want to do this topic on the air which was um talking about sympathizing with people who in in 40k their armies aren't as good as they were Uh, and that's burned on us talking about release cycles and that stuff but a point i wanted to make is like an aos or anything you have to like the army you're doing and like building based on just the models and the narrative yeah for sure also the rules Yeah, But if something like, oh, a new book came out and my rend went from minus two to minus one, I can't play my army anymore. Right. Come on, man. No. (laughs) You know that's not right. Right, right. (laughs) Like, you never actually liked the army then if something like that made you change.
0: Yeah, it's like your reasons for it were the meta. And so then when the meta changes, it's like you that's what you signed up for when you were building this army is that you know that matters change especially with the way that warhammer does and so yeah if you're not
1: yeah yeah um i I feel like i mentioned this a few times but uh, a good example of what i because this isn't going to be a narrative versus competitive
0: right um, no definitely not no no
1: Um, and to highlight that is uh, there there's a comment from the folks that do Party at the All Points. It might even be like over a year ago, but it stuck sure. with me, which is someone went, oh, I noticed you play Ideneth for match play. What about the rules really inspires you to do that? And they're like, what? Yeah. No, they're fish elves. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, right. The fact they're good <laughs> in the game is secondary yeah. to the fact that they're super cool. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I want to play the best game I can. as these cool fish elves
0: (laughs) absolutely using the army that i think is coolest yeah because again like that is what's going to keep it it, it's we've talked about this on other episodes where it's like that's the reason that we play age of sigmar specifically right or warhammer specifically is if we wanted just to chase a competitive meta you can do that in like so many different kind of hobbies and so it's like so why specifically age of sigmar it's like yeah because it has cool fish elves Right. it's dinosaurs that ride other dinosaurs.
2: Like, yeah. What God. do you want, you know? <laughs> yeah. Evil Ratman and Evil Ratman. You know, giant golden soldiers from Evil from Ratman to remember yeah. things.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like that's why you play the game. If you yeah. want the most balanced game, chess exists. Chess exists. I hear it's yeah. getting a new edition eventually, but <laughs> until then, like you're good. Chess two play. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Or, or if you're into skill, like I mean, archery's a thing. Yeah. Golf like race car driving yeah like,
1: so if if you are the if you're worried about a new edition or rules changer or things like that just remember why you're playing the army you're playing and yeah, why you're playing the great. game you're playing and mm-hmm. the point of it is to have fun yeah yeah and we will actually get to that here in a second uh because one of the things i wanted to talk about as well is something from one of the more recent white dwarf um, yeah brilliant Specifically, issue 488. I'm actually going to jump ahead to just stay on this topic and then jump back. But they actually have two articles out about narrative play. Uh, And one article by Jimbo Rath is called Rules of Engagement, Getting the Most Out of Narrative Gaming. And on
0: page 86 for this. Page
1: 86, following along, there will not be a quiz at the end. But take (laughs) notes anyways. and it's really just this person who has ran narrative events, the Realms of War series, uh talking about like how to get the most out of your narrative play. TLDR, it's have fun. Like that's yeah, what you, yeah, you have to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um he highlights a few things and I just kind of wanted to like just hit the the spark notes of yeah. from someone who has seen a lot of people playing narrative the best way to get the the juice for your squeeze yeah um and it's just what to expect at a narrative event and it's just to have fun like you're going to have different things each event's run differently yeah what we do for the gibbering dome is different from like what steve herner does for the holy events like we use yep. different yep. rules even but everyone's there to have fun and to tell a story. So really what you can expect is that people are going to have these narratives and they're there to share those narratives with like-minded people. Um nowhere in here does it say win the most games. It's right, exactly talk with other players and have yeah. fun. Or even, I mean,
0: and we'll get onto this I'm just hit we're just constantly hinting at future uh, things here in segments, but like you're going to talk a, li- a little bit about a campaign system that is intentionally asymmetrical. Yeah, and so actually, even even if it were not a very balanced game, you can actually bake that into your narrative, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, and so even the rules don't actually like stop you from doing that in, in ways that we can like be creative about.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like to talk about it later, we're creating that sp- specifically to have good narratives for right. situations where the rules <laughs> favor one side versus the other. Um, one other cool thing uh, Jimbo mentions is he uses the phrase co-player, not your opponent.
0: Yeah. I love that so much. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause you're both just playing a game. Like the way I always envision it when I'm playing against someone is I'm in I want, kind of like with D anD D, where like the dungeon master is in control of the NPCs and controls what they do, and the players are in control of their character and control what yep. they do. We're both controlling our armies and what they do, but the end result is this combined story that we're doing. You're you do something, I react to it. I do something, it changes what you're doing. Yeah, and it really does just create that story. And at the end of the game, like. In the end, overall, it gen- genuinely doesn't matter. I mean, I like to play to win because like, right, right. if you're not at least trying to win, then you're not giving your opponent a good game in my eyes. Yeah. yeah. But whether or not that actually happens, it's like, oh, I won or oh, I lost.
0: It's oh, I created a good story. Yeah. Yeah, it, absolutely. I bang on about this all the time, but like, you know, one of the most fundamental things about human beings is that we are storytellers it's how we relate to each other it's how we digest information about the world and so it's and to do that collectively with each it's other it's how we it, connect it's how we connect yeah. it's and so it is such a deeply social thing and so yeah it's like it is hitting so many like neurons that like we've evolved to <laughs> to <laughs> like find and want and so no wonder it's such a satisfying prospect yeah mm-hmm. You know, we're literally hardwired to want to do this stuff.
1: Yeah. And one of the other cool things he points out is like, I've never been to a match play tournament, so I don't know what the expectations are in regards to uh, chit-chatting and table talking. Um, But one of the things he points out that is super fun to help building those narratives is to just, like, add some flavor as you're playing. I remember at Holy Havoc, we were playing, we were losing very poorly. But I also had my like heroic, you know, my Warlord of Havoc. And my opponent had a Bloodthirster. So, like, hey, you're already going to win. Could you mm-hmm. not move the Bloodthirster where you want it so I can charge it and we can end <laughs> this game with a fight? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. 100%. <laughs>
0: Let's do it. Let's
1: do it. And, and, uh, like so you it said, was... that's a
0: co-player, right? That's yeah. a co-player. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: It helped that he already knew he won, so. yeah right yeah because that event can get competitive so some if it's closer they may not go for it but
2: it it can Uh, i think i've talked with you guys about this offline before like when i go to a holy event again i'm gonna do a lot more of just focusing on telling the best story i can with with each battle yeah for sure um i feel like i I had a great time at Holy Havoc last year, but I didn't have as good of a time as I could have because I was too focused on the competitive nature of the games and not yeah, on, on telling great stories.
1: Yeah. It's definitely something that you want to be able to like get the most enjoyment out of. And yeah. that's why I recommend this article yeah, it's um, amazing. getting this white dwarf. Cause it's, it's someone who runs these events who sees different players from all over giving yep. you the secret sauce on how to have the most fun at doing so something like this. Mm-hmm. So, definitely worth looking up. But just the some of those few ideas that I think more people should start changing how they think, like with co-players yeah. and yeah. adding the narrative as you're playing instead of like sitting down at the end of the game and like then coming up with it. But like using that narrative and working with your co-player to craft those stories.
0: Yeah, for sure. The other thing that really makes this white dwarf, white dwarf, worth picking up is, as Will mentioned, there is a second article which is mm-hmm. on page eight, uh, by Layla Craven, who is actually a friend of Will's. I understand. Yes. Yeah, Very friend... exciting. I think we talked about them on the show before, maybe because they yeah. had another article. Yeah.
1: We've talked before. Um, friend is maybe internet Warhammer acquaintance. But sure. Have... Yes. So, this article specifically is talking about running online narrative campaigns for it Warhammer
0: is fan fantastic yeah it's really good
1: uh a year ago for those who listened to season one i was working on the hungering step while Layla was working on animosity year four and we actually did like some collaborative stories together super fun and reporting so every time they have an article i'm always like let's look at it guys yes um yeah and they
0: they really uh i just i love everything about this article i love the um the kind of impetus. So they begin it with, you know, it's an online narrative campaign. And that's kind of like, we've, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, the fact that we're all not in the same place. Like, how do you kind of like tell those stories together? Uh, and especially with like, you know, the pandemic is, you know, like, you know, sadly COVID still going, but like, you know, we are more like uh, meeting together now, but during the pandemic, it was like, well, how do we, how do we do this? How do we enjoy this hobby together? Um, and Layla just has so much, uh, Good advice and experience with like yeah like running animosity uh Mm -hmm. it is such a good article um the other thing i really really liked about it is that because if you're running it online it's not necessarily going to be feasible for everybody who's playing in that campaign uh which they talked about they had like you know over 300 players in the animosity i don't know if that's total or just in year four but still that's huge
1: um Um, i would say it's the number of people that join for year four people like come and go but I know they had like 200 something for year three. Yeah, amazing. And year four was bigger. So there's no way that it's 300 total. It's just for that one year.
0: Totally. It's so good. And so one of the things that they talk about is that the easiest way to run a campaign and score it like this is to assign points values, not just to like, you know, playing games, even of like winning or losing, but to actually assign points values to hobby activities, which Mm -hmm. I just adore I love that so much that it like you can be participating maybe you get a bunch of time to paint but you don't get a lot of time to actually play or maybe you get a bunch of time to play but not a lot of time to paint yeah. or maybe you're on your own and it's like you know maybe you're not even involved in like you don't have the miniature like me for so long I would follow Warhammer I did not own a single miniature but I kept it with the stories I kept it with the lore because I just really enjoyed it um, and this is kind of giving you like uh, a way that you then kind of rapport those points, and so maybe you wrote a piece of fiction, maybe you created a piece of art, maybe you like you know painted a particular miniature, um, and all of these things then count towards the next increment of say you know um, Layla recommends you know maybe a month for busy groups, but it could be a couple of weeks, and then after you tally up all those scores, and then you kind of get to a new chapter in the story and say, okay, well based on the points from the previous section, uh, a, a sort of a games master, which is again, it's very similar to, to tabletop role-playing games um, in this way a games master kind of updates the narrative and then says okay for the next you know chapter here's the kind of thing that you'll be fighting over or the kind of crux of the story the other thing i really 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 like about that because they at the end of this article um, give two d6 tables so one d6 table for age of sigma and one for Warhammer 40k about plot hooks for your narrative uh, campaign what i love about it is that one of them i really stuck out to me as i was just reading through this which is um for the age of sigma one a newly established but influential action city is electing its first grand conclave the heated arguments between candidates looking to get voted in have spilled into the streets leaving control of the city uncertain now that could absolutely look like doing battle reports right yeah but because you're having people um participate in this campaign who might uh, be painting miniatures primarily, they might be creating fiction, they might be creating art, is that actually you can have resolutions to this that are not necessarily, oh, well, this faction you know in the campaign, this faction fought this battle and it was big and cataclysmic. You could actually have it be this law got voted down because of the things that were happening, tie in everybody's progress into that. And I just love that because it's not just like two armies clashing on the field. It can also Mm -hmm. be a little bit more nuanced and we can tell different kinds of stories still with the same hobby. And I just think this article is, it's brilliant. And again, the fact that there, if one of these articles were in this white dwarf, it would be worth picking up. The fact that both of them are in this white dwarf is like, absolute i i think it's i think it's an essential buy if you have a passing interest in participating in or just like narrative uh stories for what
2: and what's at. the edition number again
0: it is 488 488 okay. it has a uh i think it's a blood an- Blood angels uh librarian on the cover so you'll know you've picked up the right one
1: of course it's still blue armored <laughs>
0: yeah i know the libra- library that's uh, a whole other thing but yeah <laughs>
1: I was like, "That's not Blood Angels. That's a ultramarine." Oh no! I see yeah, it. it's like
0: it's an ultra. It's a red ultramarine.
1: It's an ultramarine. He just has a red and black. R- oh, <laughs> is,
0: he's a third company? What's red? Is that fourth company or third company?
1: Ah, uh, you have no idea.
0: Yeah, that- no, it's not fourth because that's green. That's Uriel Ventress. I think it's third. Not like this is a forty k podcast. Company, who cares, yeah. right.
1: Because Robo Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I have a sneaking suspicion that this article may have been timed with not to go too deep into it. They are doing a 40K online narrative official through Games Workshop. Mm-hmm. It's just specifically if you buy the um, Leviathan yeah. box and it is out. specifically mm-hmm. game reports. Yeah, yeah. But it's there. We, but...
0: yeah, who knows what's going to happen? I'm going to say this on air, but I think we should do some kind of like path to story narrative
1: campaign online. I have had thoughts about it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I tried doing it last year, and it became yeah. more than I was capable of. Sure. I have lots of notes on how to do it and do it better. The main That's thing really. I came across that it hit just as, like, other life things happened. Yeah. That ended that campaign early. Yeah. But in this article, Layla has uh, some paragraphs about writing narratives with other people's Yeah. Characters based oh, on yes, their reports. Yes that's the thing that got stuck on the most.
0: Totally. Mm.
1: I ended yeah. up writing like a bunch of different about. resolutions for these different paths, but there was <laughs> just one where I like, it was a roadblock.
0: Yeah. yeah. The fact yeah. that there's
1: more of us now,
0: other Definitely. people can do like that. We, <laughs> yeah. yeah, We have a writing yeah. team. And again, that's advice that they offer too, is that like, if you have a particularly big group, which obviously if we were to run something on the discord, that's what it would be, that actually getting a group of people uh, is actually a really good idea. Yeah. And like you said, well, both to like, just more creative input is like, it's going to help with those roadblocks when they come up, but it's also like, we can all just share the load then. And it's, it's easier on it as, as individuals, because we're all sort of like doing that. Yeah. So, okay, well, I we'll have we to, we'll, have to we'll, we'll put that on the back burner. Yeah. Well, uh, that's an interesting little. Yeah.
1: When we get to the developer. Diary, yeah. I can talk about what I've been focusing on. Instead of that.
0: <laughs> totally. Instead, instead <laughs> of doing that. Yeah. Do you want to go into that now, or shall we do the Path to Glory review? What do you think? Um,
1: yeah, let's go into it now. It makes Yeah, sense. let's
0: just do it while we're thinking about it. And then, yeah, we'll do Path to Glory. Look at us improvising on the spot, so, like you can do in your own narrative campaign.
1: Haha. <laughs> 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 yeah, so instead of an online narrative campaign, one thing that you may have noticed we came out with before is coming out with narrative supplements. We came out with a Regiments of Renown supplement of how to actually take those and use them in your path to glory. Cause there hasn't actually been official word on that yet on how they want you to do it more efficiently. Right. Cause if you just take it rules as written, it's super clunky to, to merge the two. Maybe that changes with Dawnbringers. Maybe not, but it was something that we felt like would be fun. Yeah. And then me and Paul were talking and we saw a few other needs that we thought, a vein supplement could take care of. Uh, the first one is kind of what Kieran was talking about earlier, which is sometimes the games aren't super balanced based on your armies.
2: Right. You know, depending on the narrative scenario and the armies that you have available yeah, may or may not be the best match.
1: Yeah. For example, my <laughs> elite Slay of the Darkness force has kind of been running over Paul's gets. Yeah. and, I mean, it's Paul, he holds no ill will over anything like that. But he was saying that for him, he wish he could tell stories of like other narrative things he's done to expand on that. And we had this idea of a mini White Dwarf style campaign supplement where if you're in a path to glory with two players and one army just battle tome wise is doing better than the other, how you can balance that out a bit. Um, Not that there needs to be army balance necessarily, but to be able to tell a story of the underdog going up against the overdog right? and having a campaign system built around that. During this whole session, we also have been spitballing a lot of things for the veins, a lot of cool information that I'll get to here in a minute. But the idea is it's a little mini campaign where two settlements in the veins are going against each other, not the city, on the back of Gurgu going through the rivers, but there is one little town that's built around an abandoned Skaven, like weapon cache, almost like a Skaven version of a storm vault. Okay. And there's another city that's on a giant crab that is just plowing into it, (laughs) trying to crack it open. Yeah. And so the idea is Paul will be the defender And I will be the attacker, like making our way through these tunnels as I'm trying to get to that vault before it gets destroyed. And he will be laying traps. And so every battle plan is going to have an attacker and a defender. And the defender will get a little bonus in terms of trapping terrain. We stole the rule from Hrothgore's man trappers, Mm -hmm. where literally the piece of terrain will just like explode mortal wounds out. Oh, nice. Um. And then on top of that, we wanted to balance that campaign itself asynchronously, whereas the attacker is going to be looking for these taskmasters. Um, all the battle plans will have objectives. If the attacker controls an objective, they can search for a taskmaster. They roll a die. Uh, first objective is a 4+, then it's a 3+, then it's a you know 2+, until you finally find one. And what these Taskmasters do is each of them will be a named person whose names I wrote down and forgot. But <laughs> well, When we release it, we'll have those names down. Sally and Sword. Sally Sword. Sally Sword know. will have a specific grand strategy attached to her. Normally we don't use grand strategies because it's narrative. But specifically, if you rescue Sally, she will give you the strategy of you know cut off the head, kill the enemy's general and have your general survive if you rescue her and then accomplish that grand strategy in any of your later games, you complete that campaign objective. And there's only three grand strategies in the core rulebook, And we're just using those. We're not using any of the general's handbook or any of your battle tome stuff. That way everyone has access to it. Right. The way it's asynchronous is the defender is trying to stop you from doing that. And so if the defender does the cut off the head and scores that objective. The attacker is locked out of it. They can't go back and try to win that themselves. And it's just the first player to complete two of the grand strategies wins. And we're going to be playing through that before Dombringer comes out or before Dombringer will affect our games. This is going to be what we're doing next. Uh, story-wise and super exciting because the supplement's also just going to have a bunch of veins information. I came up with the entire ecology, like what the heck do people eat here? How do they (laughs) trade? How do they make money? What is, what's going on? And
2: that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. One thing I'd like to hear your thoughts on is the whole thing with the veins is that it's skitter holes. It's pre-age of chaos, Skaven doing your thing and we have this idea that they were trapped there for a while eventually got out but while they were trapped there all the warpstone they have and then digested yep, and then ungested ungested uh, is <laughs> That's basically the term, yeah. fertilizing everything
0: oh i like that <clears throat> so we get like crazy plant growth
1: yeah crazy plant growth yeah. mutations it's why like Gurgu, even though it's a dead god beast now can still like produce life and all the monsters like in the veins yep. are from this and it also creates tiers of society Yeah, those who can afford the imported foods to not get chaos mutations and those who can't it's like how much
0: skaven dung are you actually eating yeah, and I- that is that yeah is your class in society I like that a lot I think that makes yeah. a lot of sense um,
1: yeah. I'm super happy with it
0: I'm excited for this so this is kind of like sort of the culmination of these A first lot of few months of us working on yeah up. like Golgu and the veins and this will kind of be the first like sort of big release that we do for that which is really exciting
1: on top of that on top of that the supplement is also going to like lean more towards regiments of renown again because while we got the rules to use them that was fine we've been talking over the past few episodes of like things we wish there were yeah, and maybe doing yeah. our supplement specifically like Subfaction creation or dogs of war cry or dogs of war armies yeah things like that so the supplement's also going to have rules for paymasters which is from yeah. the old dogs of war and the idea is you create a 20 point like 20 destiny point anvil of apotheosis hero they gain the paymaster keyword and you can make that from any army and plug it into yours so if you're playing a Dark Oath-based Slaves to Darkness, mm-hmm. but you bring in an Auric Paymaster so you can start hiring out cruel boys, yeah, you can do that.
2: Oh, so you make the Paymaster for the faction that you want to create Regiment of Renown To
1: from. an extent, yes, but also not necessarily. You could get an Auric Paymaster and then bring in the Dwarven Regiment of Renown. The idea oh. is just opening up that... For you more.
0: So you're telling me you could have a whole like. Army that is just mercenaries.
1: So that's the other thing. Mm. Um, it's going to be twofold. The rules to create the paymaster. And then use them. The idea is just they will make regiments of renown. Cheaper right. and on the battlefield. Give boosts to regiments of renown. Sort of like. You know yeah, what any regiment of renown. They count as more what doing objectives. Or they get a bonus. Yeah. On. Their bravery checks, things they're
0: like trying that. to impress the paymaster exactly. So you can, he can shake the coin out,
1: yeah, exactly. Or like once per battle, he can try to bribe an enemy unit and like they, they make a battle <sighs> shock good. test to yeah. see if they leave. And that's if you just want to use that for your army. On top of that, we had talked about like a sub faction creator, and instead, where it would just be an actual dogs of war army, you get your yeah. paymaster, he is your general. Yeah. Your normal units are any regiment of renown that you want, yeah. But then as soon as you bring in a Regiment of Renown, the army they come from can be coalition. Yeah. So if you bring in that Cruel Boys Bow 1, you can then coalition in the rest of the Cruel Boys units Yeah. if you want. It limits
2: them. Interesting.
1: Because coalitions like might be 1 in 4 still.
2: 1 in 4, yeah. Right. So right, you're still
1: mostly like mercenaries, but that's just a way to flesh out your mercenary army. Yeah. until they give us even more regiments of renown where we don't need it yeah the goal is by the end of Dawnbringers if they do regiments of renown for every book
0: yes To just get
1: rid of that last part
0: right and honestly even once if they do do that even once all of those are out it's still fun to kind of like think up your own thematic um especially for your specific narrative campaign you know your own uh regiments of renown yeah and you were saying that because we were talking about that, that Part of that balance too is that because they're a regiment of renown, they don't get all of their like uh, army-specific like bonuses that they normally would, and so they can kind of, That's right. the balance for this army: is like it's not like you're bringing in every rule for all of those and just having the best of the best. It's like they're losing a lot of things, but you're gaining a lot of like narrative potential and versatility.
1: Yeah, and still wanting to do like those tables of like you can create your own battle traits for your dog of war army. Yeah, for just sure. that way of. If- I have a dog of war army and I have a paymaster and I have these regiments of renown. You can have similar regiments of renown, a similar ish paymaster, but still be playing two different armies based on like those created battle traits.
0: Yeah. It's the ultimate narrative army
1: really. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, I want to be able to put one of those together as well and maybe use one of those for like the little mini campaign me and Paul end up yeah. doing, but I kind of want to do Seraphon for it. <laughs> yes definitely and some
0: seraphon like love that
1: future goals i want to do seraphon yep. for a few games for this and then i want to transition to flesh eater courts yep. and like whatever comes out with dawn bringers playing through yep. using those rules amazing
2: perfect
0: love it yeah this is going to be such a cool supplement i'm really really excited to see it come together yeah and uh yeah.
1: most of the work is in <laughs> typing up all the lore yeah. stuff <laughs> the rules, yeah. we're keeping them as simple as we can
0: so. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, I will definitely help out with. And then we're also, I was chatting with Will again before this, and um, also talked about putting a little bit like a soulbound supplement in for the veins as well. So we'll see quite how extensive that is. But um, there should be some yeah. small rules for, for that at least to come out. So a little gazetteer, exactly. As, uh, as, as it was, you know,
1: yeah, season one was the hungering step, season two. I would love if we just had like a bunch of things that like solidified the veins with. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Like being able to play any game system in it.
0: Yeah, like and just like, hey, do you like Age of Sigmar in all of its forms? Here you go. Yeah.
1: Boom. Yeah. Yep. Amazing.
0: I love that. I love that as like a project for each of our seasons. That a new season means a new location and yep. eventually just new content that listeners can get.
1: Well, and to tie it to Layla's article, they mm-hmm. say that one thing that's super helpful is having a distinct setting for your online campaigns. Yeah. That's so when so I say good. like, this is what I've been doing instead of an online campaign, I'm doing all that setting work that I had done for the hungering step. Yeah. And yeah. Like, creating and fleshing this out. But instead of like, Hey, you have to report in by the end of the month. <laughs> right. Report? Right. Just like, Hey, you can play games here as you want. You can use them outside of any restrict timeframe. It's just another exactly. tool in your tool chest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So huge. So huge. Oh, I'm so excited with this. This is just like, it's just the best. It's like, this is what, you know, we love so much about the hobby and uh, it just all of these articles and supplemental stuff and then things that we're doing. Ah, it's just the best. I really encourage listeners to, you know, if you're, if any of this gets remotely, you, you know, remotely excited, um, you know, whether you have people to do this with or not, if you don't, you should uh pop onto the discord at the realmscom forward slash discord actually I did it that time is it the mortal realms right
1: it's the realmscom slash yes. discord if you email them it's just mortal realms at gmail. amazing com. so
0: there you go uh, but yes you can uh, hook up with like-minded folks and and chat about all things narrative and, and AOS and path to glory but yeah it's just it is it's brilliant and I cannot I cannot you know recommend this enough to people that you know us, the three of us just like sitting you know recording here and just like shooting the you know the the stuff with the uh, with this is just so much fun and so i really encourage you to it
2: it really is and, and i want to take a quick second to just shout out the the uh discord members who are always sharing <clears> great <throat> ideas um, So good, so what inspiring. they're doing with their campaigns yeah. and the path to glory uh channel um on our discord server that's Almost every day, you've got people in there sharing pictures of what they're doing, um, battle reports, lore updates, like stories. Yeah, narrative snippets. It's it's so much fun. And, you know, for those of you who are listeners who are also sharing stuff, I just want to say thank you. Like, that that makes our day.
0: It really does.
1: Yeah. And to just name a few names, just scrolling through, like Nuno, who runs the We Are the Neon uh, website. He's always posting oh, stuff yeah. his lo- local mm-hmm. groups. Yep, yep, yep. Um, recently returned to the Discord servers. War bar- War Boss Grimdaka. I'm just calling him out or them out. Hero. Um, because they actually went through and like blanked out pages from the battle tome. So they had all the cool designs on the battle tome. Oh, put in yeah. all of the lore for their, their local players. Stuff. So it's just like full yeah. pages of like, this person's custom Flesh Eater Quartz yep. on the page of the battle tome, which is, like... It's so awesome. It's, it's really, too really, cool. cool. <laughs> I gotta do that. That's clever. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to faff about with, like,
0: trying to get close approximations of, like, stock art, and then, like, that's a much better
1: idea. Right? Yeah, I was just saying that. And then on top of that, we've got folks like uh, Jeremy Bosed, who's been sharing pictures. We've got Lichcasts who... Um, I met during the Animosity campaigns and when I was doing Hungering Step, Lichcast and Nuno and some other folks from the Discord server were my pool of creative minds to, like, help organize the campaign. Yeah, Um, yeah. Shout out to them. And then Mipor. Yeah, just a bunch of people who are constantly just sharing their own updates and, like, hyping up other people's Path to Glory updates and leagues. And it's just... It's so fun. You you have battles and you have stories, even if you're not doing a Path to Glory league or campaign, come and share them like
0: please do yeah please the best it really is like anytime i go in there and i've not been very active this last month just because it's been so busy but anytime i go in there and you have you know i see like a paragraph and then a picture of like somebody's most recent game or like they're just about to start this campaign it's just the best and nothing will make you feel more motivated to tell your own stories and to do your own hobby than just like listening to other people talk about theirs like it really if you're at all feeling like you know oh it's bit of a struggle at the moment i cannot recommend that enough it really is like so inspiring it's so cool okay amazing anything else you wanted to talk about with the paymasters of the veins
1: no i'm just excited to yeah hopefully put a version of the old dogs of war back into existence
0: yeah 100 percent. oh i wonder if there's anybody in the community who would want to do any art for this
3: Possibly.
1: if
0: you are an artist let us know or We'll do one, actually, we should do one where I just do all of the art, and it's just stick figures. <laughs> you just stick figures. And it's like, insert your own art here, if you would like
1: it to be better. <laughs> stick figure with lightning bolt is Stormcast. Exactly. This, uh... Stick figure with lightning bolts is also Eternus. Uh... Also Eternus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And stick okay. figure with lightning bolt is also the Dragon Ogres. The Dragon, oh man.
0: Fourth edition, you know what I'm going to say right now? we're going to get dragon ogre shagoths back in fourth edition with new models I'm saying it right now
2: man if there's saying it right now one group from the lore that i would love to see a model yeah. refresh it would be the the thunderscoring
0: yeah they had big beef with the with uh they came up against because they were fighting the caradron in the uh slaves to darkness book most recently mm-hmm. oh no sorry the ogres book most recently oh yeah mm. in the same way that you were talking about with the horns of hasha and the like the chaos warden I really feel like we keep getting for, a, for
1: They a, have shown up a few times in various yeah. books.
0: In like, like you're saying, in the same way where the kind of like, this is like a weirdly specific, and not just like, they exist out there somewhere. It's like, here's this specific group
1: doing this specific thing. Anyway, we're moving on. And you're like, huh. Hmm.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> I will say, Karen, don't try to give beasts of chaos players hope they're immune to it oh true. that's true that's a good point
0: (laughs) that's a very very good point yeah
1: they will have hope when the models are released
0: (laughs) and even then so good okay well let's move on to our next segment then uh which we are we don't have any um battle reports for you today or narrative updates. So um, it's just been one of those months where, uh, where we're all busy. So hopefully this is still, you know, content that you're interested in and kind of like listeners to listening to us talk about all of this stuff. Uh, but one of the segments that we always do that we're gonna do is our Path to glory review. So we are gonna do two today? Yep, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, fantastic. And so I'm gonna start with newly released Seraphon. Ooh, which is very exciting so i love this book so much just as a battle tome it's so good it's just the range refresh has done so much for me um i just really have enjoyed reading through it again i've still got um i haven't read it back to back to front yet but um certainly digging through a lot of the like path to glory stuff i think it's a great system oh, um so I talked about, it's so good i talked about zines last week uh, or last episode um and it feels, in many ways, uh, it, it feels like a lot of the. Because I really, again, if you can't tell from that, I really, really liked a lot of the rules in Zinch. Um, I just felt that it lacked a little bit of like an overall direction, and then a, a few little bits here and there that I just thought were uh, worth um, changing. Sorry, I'm moving my mic there. Um, and I, actually, I think that this battle tome has done a lot to like assuage those things. I think it's really, it's. Uh, it's done a lot of those so we'll, we'll go through it right now um i also just before we even get there but the the, the quest is brilliant and does some <laughs> stuff that we haven't seen quests do before and i i think it's amazing and again if this is hinting at the kind of um development that we can see for path to glory or just narrative battle plans in general uh heading into Dawnbringers, et cetera, etc etc i think it's just like It feels like we are on such a trajectory with this stuff, um, where it is only gonna get better and better. So anyway, um, let's start at the very beginning. So, your path to glory, the first big uh, kind of component, if you like, of your path to glory campaign with Seraphon is the sacred spawning. So I'm just gonna read the first paragraph. I don't, you know, we normally don't read it, but it's, it's just so good. As your warlord battles across the mortal realms to further the great plan, they may, at times, blessed with reinforcements from a sacred spawning this is a brood of warriors hatched under the influence of one of the old ones and so what this is is a great way for you to uh, designate certain units you can only have up to six of them total uh and the uh you can only recruit them once you your warlord has a certain amount of renown points uh and if you pay a certain glory points cost which before we even dive into what these are I love that this is giving you a reason to continue to get Renown on your Warlord. Because there's a certain point that I can't, I'm blanking on the exact number, but like once they've hit certain Renown thresholds in the base Path to Glory, there's kind of like, yeah, they keep gaining stuff and that's fine and it's
1: cool. Let me make it even worse for you. Yeah. Um, Once you hit 15 Renown on a leader, or uh, specifically a hero, they can get their like command um trait,
2: trait. Yep. Yep.
1: And that's where it ends, right? Your warlord starts at fifteen, <laughs> right? Yeah. Currently in the base game, the only reason you want your warlord to get renown is so that way they don't somehow lose renown,
0: right? Right. So they don't lose access to their battle.
2: unless fight. they brew potions. But unless they brew
0: potions. Yeah. brew potions. Yeah. But that's the other thing. God, the git's. I need to get that battle time because that path to glory is so good. But yeah, that's exactly it. Is that it's mm-hmm. giving you a reason actually to care about your warlord's renown, um, which I love. I just think again that it keeps you more invested in that character's yep. story, their progression, taking actually taking them on, uh, you know, uh, missions and stuff. The other thing is that uh, it costs an increasing amount of glory points, which I think is really interesting as well. Yeah. So it goes from your first secret spawning unit only costs you three glory points. Uh, to your sixth and final one, you need to have 100-plus Renown points, which is way higher than 15, um, and 18 Glory points to actually purchase that uh, sixth and final unit. So I just think they're really cool. And so what these do, these Sacred Spawnings, they are blessed by a particular, uh, as it says, blessed by a particular old one. Uh, and they give you kind of like little benefits to that unit. So for example, the uh, Sacred Spawning of uh, Huanchi is when this unit makes a move, it can pass across terrain features in the same manner as a unit that can fly. And so Hanchi, of course, is the kind of Seraphon old one of sort of like darkness and sneakiness. And, uh, you know, so kind of, they're all thematic things that sort of tie in with whichever old one it is. Um, So it's a minor little like rules thing. It kind of, again, helps it feel like a, a special unit. But the thing I really, really like about it is it just gives you this opportunity with like modeling and hobbying to be like, what does a sacred spawning of sotek look like for um this unit of croxagors or again croxagors again but for itself, like what do those things look like and so um i really really like that it's giving you this long-term progression of what are we doing in the seraphon path to glory we're looking for sacred spawnings we're looking because that um again as it says here it has a lot of like really just good lore and fluff associated with these things we don't always see that in the path to Glory rules. Um, but occasionally they give us there's a couple of like, um, you know, like little boxes uh, that give you are just purely story and lore and extra little bits for it, which is great. Um, you know, and so uh, these convergences of divinity are seen as auspicious cruxes of fate and portents of harsh trials to come. And so, again, it's built into it that like you're kind of being noticed more and more by the old ones. And, you know, you can build up to it's still giving you that freedom to run the campaign as you would want to run it um but i like that it just gives you that little bit of direction that little bit of kick to kind of say okay here's what part of a seraphon army is going to do which i really really like um i'll also note that you can because you start with a number of um, glory points and you start with your warlord you can it does actually specifically say you can purchase this uh upgrade for your warlord at the start of your path to glory campaign which is very exciting so um you can start with your warlord being um Part of a sacred spawning which again is such a fantastic way to start a on path to glory campaign i just think that's brilliant um so yeah so that's the first part quests they have four quests which i love they sort of have three quests because it depends if you're coalesced or if you're um, starborn mm. um they're fully fleshed out they're great they're very thematic the first one which anybody can do is search for lost city and in this one, uh, as with many, we're going to find uh, we're going to do various things to obtain clues. Once we have those clues, we're going to be able to fight using the battle plan at the end of the uh, the path glory section, which I'll get onto, um, which is the Fallen City battle plan, which is very very cool. Um, and then, coalesced armies uh, and starborn armies each have a unique. Um, each have a unique quest that they can yep. go on. The conditions to uh, accrue points for this are different, but essentially, what happens is the uh, Colest armies gain the Primeval Jungle territory, uh, and the Starborn armies gain the Geomantic Nexus territory. And what do those things do? I hear you say. Well, the Primeval Jungle allows you to increase your monster limit by three. Three. What? So that's in addition three? to like yeah, yeah, like all the you know as you're growing your stronghold and you can increase all of those limits. Um, a lot of the Seraphon's territories are just about like hey do you want more wizards because that's what the starborn get for completing their quest you get extra three wizards it's just really very very cool uh, and then when you upgrade those territories they do extra fun things which is great that, that's um, amazing
2: especially if you're wanting so to play that um that thunder lizards
1: yeah
0: um, exactly exactly and the Barbie. other thing which the the other kind of minor critique we've had of some path to glory uh things before is that um it can be because you're just purely relying on the dice roll to kind of get the faction specific territories mm-hmm. uh which are often very cool very thematic really play into your story And it's sort of like tricky to, you're like, well, I might just go several games. I could be playing, you know, a couple of games every week and just not roll to get those territories. Mm -hmm. I really like quests and mechanics that give you a way to go after these things. And again, it's not like, oh, pick one to your heart's delight. It's like, you you, you know, you're going specific ones, but still, I love that. I think it's such a great such a good thing Uh, and then the last one which is fantastic is the war against the eternal enemy which is if you just win a major victory against chaos and your warlord gets some bonus renown points and everybody else gets uh uh, slightly less bonus renown points which is great if we're trying to get up to 100 renown points for our sacred spawning unit so again um i love the synergy between all these things they're thematic on their own and they play into each other really really well so next bit is veteran abilities and hallelujah they they have the the thing i talked about last time with the zencian ones where they are brilliant abilities but they're all unit specific with yeah. the exception of one of them and about, again about that the 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 balance in design where i can understand them wanting to make very specific abilities for units that like buff them in very specific ways um but also allowing access when we only have a total of six faction specific ones uh, you you want to be able to upgrade your unit in different ways, right? Like if you if they become twice, three times a veteran, <laughs> twice, once, twice, three times a veteran. Um, that's a dollar, right? That hasn't happened on the story <laughs> yeah, right. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these some of them have uh, small unit requirements, but four of them are. Uh, oh well, sorry, no, three of them. It's just not bolded. Um yep. So, but they're very broad. So, one of them is like unit with a mount only. Now there are, there's a bunch of models in the Seraphon range that like and so have it, it, that have mounts, and so it's not so specific as to say this has to be uh, a Saurus uh, Scar Veteran on a um, Agridon. Is that the new ones? Yeah, yeah Um It's saying, well, no, this could be anything, and so they still get to make very specific um, unit veteran abilities. Um, but that work with mounts and plenty of the models in the range have mounts. And so I, this to me is probably the best set of veteran abilities. I think I've read in any of the, like the, when we've done these path to glory yeah. re, re, reviews so far. Um,
1: and on top yeah. of that, like the two that are, have like bolded restrictions, they are yep. carryovers from the white dwarf rules.
0: Yeah. So of course I forgot about
1: that, but mm-hmm. they also did make them more broad and then yes. them better on top of that because like that's that, it like it says skink only yeah that could be unmounted so skinks mounted, yep. skinks, mounted skinks just any yep. skink you want
3: mm-hmm.
0: and then the other one yeah is Saurus units without a mount or croxagal only and so again it's like it's just i this is such a sweet spot for me where it's like they've kind of done these abilities for like there are three that are um unit agnostic um and then three that have like broad requirements which i think is just absolutely the sweet spot i think it's yeah. really really good so um absolute props on that veteran one the territories i think if, if you can't tell i really love this book and i think this is my favorite path to glory section that they've done so far um the territories are all really thematic i really like that most of them so four of them are increasing your your uh limits in some way by three so one of them is reinforced one of them is wizards one of them are monsters one of them's heroes Um, I really like that. I think that's a really um, exciting and tangible benefit to get when you pull one of these territories in is that suddenly you're like, Oh my God, I can have three more heroes. Well, what am I going to do? You know, and then you start looking at how am I going to spend my glory points to recruit units. And suddenly it's, it's a tangible, like, ah, my roster can immediately change, which I love, I think is great. Um, And then the other thing I love is that they have i won't go into all of them but they have really really unique upgraded effects yeah but the first effect is a really tangible feel good you roll on the table you get it you're like oh amazing i can have three more monsters in my army and then the next time it comes round is that you can upgrade it by five and uh you get hunting grounds which is in addition each time you upgrade a territory or stronghold reduce the glory points cost by d6 it's just so good it it is these like immediate benefit and then this brilliant way of like um again one of them the celestial trove allows you to get artifacts it's very similar to some of the storm vault territories. they're just brilliant um I really encourage you to have a little read of those. I'm not gonna go into ancient realm gate, which is the very last one because it's it's quite the... you can only have one of them, and it's quite the the rules thing, but essentially okay. it allows you to yeah like you know act like a starborn army if you're not
1: exactly it's my favorite you it's so good you can just deep strike in yeah just it does. deep
0: strike it yeah. But power Alma uh, encouraged,
1: and but it specifically is like you deep strike in as if you were Dracothian's tail because that's what they can do. So then it gives yep. Dracothian's tail another bonus on top of it. So it's like, oh, we're not replaced, like, yeah, they're too um afraid in past books to do anything that yeah. would give one sub yes, an ability that would make another subfaction redundant. And totally. what they've done here is like okay you get that sub-faction ability but if you already are that sub-faction you get something even better which is every time they do that they generate points for summoning so yeah just i was gonna say deploying they get the- your oh. army you get free units so it's like
0: so yeah it changes it so that everybody else gets to do that and then you get to do it on steroids you get yep. to just yep. rack up these cosmic power points and there can be used for summoning but it's also things like uh, you know the the it's it's cleanse the realms and it's it you know plays about with like taking mortal wounds and so it yeah you get it it's brilliant I think it re- is a really really good example of design again where you're giving all the other sub factions this ability to um, play with the fun toy that's very thematic because it's the ancient realm gate but then the sub faction for whom this is their thing well they get to do it even more now I think it's just chef's kiss design i am absolutely in love with this whole battle tome and this path to glory one is amazing it's awesome oh it's so it's so good it really is um and i've saved the best to last which is of course their battle plan so this is if you are searching for the fallen city city and you're able to find it um you can begin this battle plan so the interesting thing that this has it's very similar um to battle plans we've seen before. They recommend some kind of like faction terrain, which is the realm ship engine, et cetera, et cetera. The big thing with this mission is each side gets secret objectives, which are included in the battle plan. So what you do is each player rolls twice on the missions table, which is a D6 table that's listed on the same page, and you secretly note down the results. So then as part of this whole thing, um, you score one victory point each time an enemy unit is destroyed, So you kind of have that going for you. You're like, okay, we're supposed to be fighting. We're encouraged to fight. That will get us victory points. In addition, each player scores victory points by completing secret missions. So when you do it, you declare that you've done it and then you score five victory points for completing that mission. Um, And it's brilliant. I just absolutely love it because it's not just like control uh, you know, X amount of uh, territory. It's not just like kill this amount of things. So some of the missions, just to give you a taste of this is uh, hold your ground From the start of the fourth battle round, you complete this mission at the end of your turn if there are no enemy units contesting the objective on the border of your territory. And so it is giving players these secret goals where nobody... You could also roll uh, the same one as your opponent, and if they score it before you do, you are no longer allowed to score that mission. And so there's this tension of like, oh my god, what did they roll based on what I rolled? Like, have they got one of the same Mm -hmm. objectives of me? Are we trying to do different things? And so you're trying to psych each other out as you're playing this battle. I just think it is absolutely fantastic. It is such a good, interesting uh, way of playing Age of Sigmar um, that really feels like um, it really feels specific to Path to Glory. And so, very very excited about this. I hope we see more of this, um, but it's just brilliant. Um, you also get to, as a reward, oh yeah, you also get to pick a um, one territory from if you win the battle one of the faction-specific territories apart from the Ancient Realm Gate to just pick in. So it's like you win, because that's the other thing, is that a lot of these, like, uh, you do a quest to unlock a battle plan, you play the battle plan, most of the just time the rewards are like, and your guy gets an extra point, right? Like he gets an extra glory point or an extra renown point. What I really, really like is when battle plans actually have specific things, and so this actually is so worth it, because in the Fallen City, what you found is one of the territories that's listed on your faction-specific territory. And so again, here's another way of not having to constantly rely on the dice. You can say, I'm going to start this quest, I'm going to aim towards it, I'm going to fight this battle plan that's really thematic, really fun, as far as i'm aware completely unique at the moment in third edition age of Sigmar. i don't think we have anywhere else that's doing secret missions and you know that you decide in the battle itself um and then not only do you get to do that and you have a lot of fun with your opponent you also get one of your really fun faction specific uh territories so just all in all this to me has now become the gold standard of that and the git's book uh, is the gold standard of what path to glory can look like for faction specific stuff so uh, if you can't tell, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's brilliant, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, more of this, please, would be wonderful.
1: And then I know Harry, you uh, brought Skaven to play, so we've got yeah. rats and lizards, the classic. Yeah, so it was <laughs> like from
2: scales to fur. I was going to say, speaking of secret plans, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go, there you go. We've got the the Skaven are an older uh, or earlier uh, battle tome in third edition, so. We talked to before about how we've seen this evolution of the Path to Glory design going through this edition, but it's still a very, very flavorful Path to Glory. Um, of course, most of our listeners will know that Skaven are a classic faction in Warhammer, um, come from the earliest days of Warhammer fantasy battles. In yeah. fact, I would argue that some of the best lore out there for Skaven are the classic Gotrik and Felix novels. Yeah. If you just yeah. want some amazing Skaven narrative that really get in the twisted minds of Skavens, the, um, the villain chapters in those novels are just so well-written. The other Um, thing I recommend
0: for escaping players, just because I am absolutely obsessed with it, is uh, the Warhammer Fantasy uh, role-playing game, the fourth edition, which is uh, published by Cubicle 7. They have republished uh, the Enemy Within campaign, which is a really Mm. really classic, incredibly well-regarded role-playing campaign. It is worth getting those books just to read... About the Skaven in it, some of it, it, they are fantastic. I cannot recommend them highly enough. If you're, in fact, quite frankly, I think it should be required for all Warhammer fans, even if you have <laughs> Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, because it is, it is, it is a genius design. It's so flavorful, so thematic, such a good story. but Especially if you like Skaven, there's a bunch of Skaven in there, and it's amazing.
2: The Skaven are just one of the perfect bad guys for they're brilliant they're for sad. warhammer um and for age of sigmar they just fit right in
0: they oh, do yeah. slight spoiler in, in this campaign it's not even a spoiler but um at one point the Skaven want to shoot the moon at the sky with a big walk cannon uh and that's the plan that's their plan and so you have to stop them from doing that and yep it is amazing
2: that sounds <laughs> it's so good perfect. it's so good um so you know if anybody's been a fan of Skaven for a long time, or or at least familiar with Skaven, they know that they're always scheming. Even the lowliest clan rat is scheming against his fellow packmates, against his leaders. Um, the, you know, they're all the the gray seers are scheming, the vermin lords are scheming, everybody's scheming and planning. Um, And they're trying to gain favor with the Great Horned Rat, who is their deity, and who, in the Age of Sigmar, is now the fifth chaos deity. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so core to the Path to Glory rules is what they call the Master Plans of the Great Horned Rat. And it's six secret objectives that you can pick one of for every battle that you fight. And if you achieve the goal that you've selected at the beginning of the battle, then you get to skip step two of the aftermath phase, which is where you would normally take your casualty rolls or injury rolls. Wild, <laughs> um, which rules-wise is just great because you're scaven or not expected to survive battles like you you're before? gonna so if you're playing skaven correctly you're probably going to be rolling a lot on the casualty rolls
0: and how are you feeling before? even for like these elite armies a lot of your upkeep when you have these big big armies is spent trying to not get them to die and so right doing right. that for an army that that is going to be doing those roles a lot
2: and and so these master plans they don't even require you to win the battle Okay. no nope. it's a it's a separate objective entirely just like we talked about on a previous episode about how the quest can change how you fight the battle how you play the game age of sigmar these master plans are going to affect how you as a Skaver in general are going to fight your battle and so these they're very thematic they they vary based on kind of how you've chosen to build your army um, may make some of these master plans easier or harder to achieve, but you get to pick. So if you've gone heavy on Eshin, then maybe you choose March for Death, where if you uh, slay three or more enemy heroes during the battle with uh, Clan Eshin, uh, heroes. So you're assassins. Then you're you achieve that, and you're you're able to avoid the that step two of the aftermath. Similarly, if um, if you're playing Clan Pestilence heavy, maybe you'll choose Disciples of Disease, where this master plan is carried out if ten or more prayers chanted by a friendly Clan Pestilence priest are answered during the battle so again you're rewarded for just taking lots of priests making lots of prayer attempts and hopefully passing them you get 10 of them during the battle you've achieved that master plan of the great horned rat and you're able to to gain the bonus from that so they're not always easy to achieve and i'm not going to read all of them here um but they they do have that potential of reward that is slightly different than necessarily what that battle plans objectives are
1: yeah and i just love it because last episode we talked about like how quests and certain things like will change how you play mm-hmm. i could easily see someone who picks um, the endless vermin tide going like you know what i lost enough guys i'm gonna go hide in every corner that way i just don't have to worry about dealing with the the consequences of this loss
2: yep exactly Exactly.
1: I'd rather lose the game and then not have to roll for my casualties than to roll for casualties and win.
2: Yeah, and that's a great one, you know, because to get that one, all you need is one or more friendly clan rat or storm vermin units in each quarter of the battlefield at the end of the battle.
0: You have so many units, you're just like, the rats are scurrying everywhere. Your opponent's not going
1: to be worrying about it. It's going to cost you more glory to recuperate them all than it would really
2: to take the L. Yeah, scatter and run (laughs) and You know, make your opponent chase you till turn five. Yeah. Um, So that leads us into quests. Similar to uh, your review, Kieran. I'm not going to read over all of these. But you've got one that unlocks their their, um, narrative battle plan in here. You've got uh, one that rewards you by letting you pick two master plans instead of one. And you get that one by uh, winning a major victory with at least three friendly Skaven units on the battlefield at the end of the battle. So it's a fairly straightforward quest to achieve, but you still have to select it as your quest before before you go into battle. And then if you're able to do that, you're going to have more fun with those master plans. Um, You've got one that uh, rewards you by... uh, allowing you to give a command trait to a vermin lord. So this one is bas- – it reminds me of the Slaves to Darkness Path to Glory where you're creating another path or another route to yep. achieving demonhood in the yep. Slaves to Darkness. Yeah, Here you've got good. another route to, to elevate one of your vermin lords. If that's something that is a goal, um, as opposed to just trying to gain renown for that Vermin Lord, because 15 renown can be a little bit difficult to achieve quickly here. You can, can, uh, take this quest. And if you achieve the goals of the quest, which I'm not going to spoil here, I'll let, (laughs) let our listeners find it on their own. Um, you're able to get a command trait specifically for that vermin lord and and elevate him to a hero level. Um, Similar with veteran abilities, this this battle tome, I think, shows that a little bit of the older style where you've got some veteran abilities that are themed to the different sub-factions, but it doesn't limit them to specific units. Yeah. yeah. So you've got a veteran ability that is, let's say, Molder Fleshcrafts. So that sounds like it. You know, if you're playing a Clans Molder army, it would be more beneficial. But it's not limited to Clans Molder units. So it's just representing the uh, the Clans Molder coming in and boosting. A unit that you choose with the, their own twisted yeah. and demented gifts. Um, um,
1: and that reminds me of in the Storm Vault novel, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a Gray Seer who was sitting there, like, oh, I can't, other than these spells I'm casting, I can't really participate in the fighting. Not that I want to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. And he's talking about how he debated getting Clan Molder to, like, enhance his body, but then not doing it because you can't trust them.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> like, who knows what
0: they'll actually do, yeah.
1: That, oh, these people did trust Clan Molder, and they did go outside of their clan to get these abilities, right. which is... Something they always think about but never do because of the betrayals.
2: Yep, yep. Another another bonus that you can get as a veteran ability are decaying shrouds. Which when I first read it, I expected it to be limited to your plague monks, but it's not. You could put it on. You could put decaying shrouds on storm vermin. You could put them on, um, you know, weapons teams, and those uh, basically give the ability to pass on plague mortal wounds to, um, to enemies that come too close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So really neat uh, veteran abilities, all very thematic, all six of them are very thematic. And they represent all the different ways that you would work with the various clans, um, major clans to boost your guys as you're moving forward on your scheming path to glory.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: for the, the faction specific territories, we have what you would uh, exactly what you would expect. You've got a collapsed hole, um, <laughs> which uh, cannot be controlled. It's just fun to roll. Um, <laughs> you've got promising routes um, also cannot be controlled, but you can pick a different territory from this table um, as a result. You've got an underwarren. Here, your drill teams have established a network of tunnels and burrows beneath this region, allowing for multiple strikes from the shadows. That allows you. That doesn't give you any benefit until you upgrade it. But the upgrade is a cunning ambush, and um, once so once you upgrade it, you can use reserve units. Uh, Or if you can use reserve units in a Path of Glory battle, you can place one friendly Skaven unit to the side um, and say that it's in the Underwarrens as a reserve unit. And then it can come up wholly within six inches of battlefield edge, more than seven inches from enemy units. So that's actually really close for coming in out of reserves. Usually it's uh, nine or more i will um,
0: say i'm glad that we have in in more recent battle terms moved away from the the first faction specific territory being like a bust yeah I, I, like i i i like i completely see the design philosophy but i think in practice it just always feels not great and so i'm glad we've moved away from like as funny as it is for the Skaven, especially where you're just right. like, they're the yeah. one that i would like actually you know what i might i would keep that <laughs> maybe do something else like slightly, but it's funny to like collapse no hall. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: You know, the idea being that if you roll a six for your tens digit, that what you're doing is not just normal exploration. These are your drill teams going out there and, and creating more knot holes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it does yeah. play into the the flavor of it, but you're right. You know, if you're making your exploration roll and your, your tens digit is a six, you want to be excited about that you don't want to you don't want to end up empty-handed yeah
1: Yeah. which i was gonna say it does hurt a bit um that one gives you nothing one lets you pick yeah three of the other four when you get it it doesn't do anything until you upgrade it so it does kind of sting a little bit when it's like oh I rolled the six and now I need to spend my glory to buy it. And then yeah. another 15 glory to, to use it. it.
0: Right. And, Again, and it's like, you can see where the theme is there, especially with the Skaven. But yeah. even just in the Seraphon one that we just read, how cool would it be if it just increased your, you know, it was like, you know, we're talking about like the flesh pits. What if it increased your monster limit? It doesn't even have to be by three if they're worried about, but mm-hmm. it could be right. Because it's narrative yeah. and like, why not? And then it's like, then you get something once it's upgraded as well.
2: Right. Right. So I, I think you're right. We've seen a move away from, uh, maybe they were a little more conservative with their, their yeah. faction territories early on. Yeah, um, I think that's exactly it. Um, you know, we do have like the warp storm quarry, um, mm-hmm. which gives you uh, a reduction in, um, in glory point costs for upgrading other territories right so you know that makes sense
1: they're balancing it a little now bit. that yeah. and that would be
0: amazing if now correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think there's any way to there's no quest to get that right that's another one you just have to roll to get yeah unfortunately because
2: you've each, got to get a 65. do you know your what even just
0: the slight adjustment i would make is adding a quest even if it was really involved to get that territory because then suddenly it makes the other like the prospects of upgrading all those things right. a bit
2: easier and it's before. not as random
0: yeah. no exactly yeah
2: well well, obviously you have to be okay with some randomness to even play this battle. Yeah, well time. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but keeping the fun randomness and, right. then, and then, you know, not keeping the,
1: the not Well, start. An exactly. example of an example of fun randomness is I think it's the soul blight territory, where it's like if you get a six on the ten die, you get four territories, pick one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it d- doesn't matter what the other number is. Right, you get one of your special territories and pick the one that matches the army you made.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, I mean, there, there's definitely still a lot of theme in this path yeah, to glory, yeah. but I think we can all agree we've seen it. We've seen it move uh, from where it was when this battle tome came out to uh, where it is now with like the the Seraphon battle tome. Yeah. Um, yeah the only thing that i haven't covered is the heroic upgrades and that's what you would expect it to be you know it's yeah how to put your grace here on a screaming bell or your plague priest on a plague furnace um the only one that i was a little surprised to see is but it makes sense is taking a warlock engineer and turning him into an arch warlock um oh, yeah. but other it... otherwise there's really no um no other heroic upgrades and i mean that's that's Skaven life. You know, you're you're born into a, not a certain role exactly. and you're probably yeah. gonna stay in that role.
0: Uh, <laughs>
3: yep, and die while. in yeah. it two yep. weeks after you're born. Yep. Exactly,
2: exactly. Yep. So, but I, I would love to hear people's stories of playing yeah, sure. Path to Glory with Skaven because I think there's a lot of fun potential for for just telling fun stories. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a great, very flavorful faction. Um, and I think that their path to glory rules help reflect that.
1: Yeah, especially that secret mission thing. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's just too good. Like giving you other things to do to give you that sneakiness in mm-hmm. a war game is yes. something that I think is awesome. That they were they managed to pull that off.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and the motivation for you to to pursue those is right there because you know that all that, all those glory points can be spent doing other things rather than just, you know, replacing dead guys.
0: The other thing I'm really like going back to a little bit of our discussion previously with like the move to fourth edition, I'm really happy with where a lot of the rules are and it seems like that tends to be the sort of majority opinion from the community, at least the ones that are vocal about it. Um, what I'm really, what I will really look forward to is it, it feels like, yeah, like the designers have now really figured out, oh, here's what we can actually do with Path to Glory and I've kind Mm. of like, we've seen them make bolder and bolder choices with their Path to Glory stuff um, To only to benefit, right? It has been brilliant. I don't think because it's narrative, it's also like I think they've they've begun to um, be more confident in like, oh, we don't it's not that it's not balanced per se, but it's like, oh, we don't have to worry so much about like doing kind of like extravagant things with this system because the buy-in for people playing this is not we're going to have an exactly equal fair game of warhammer it's like we're right gonna have a brilliant narrative fun time playing
2: warhammer. and the game mechanics are pretty well exactly tweaked at this point yeah, like yeah. i don't know that there'd be a lot i'd want to change about the rules no exactly um you know probably the second rank fa- fights type rule that they had uh, with a couple General's Handbooks back, I think it was pretty popular. And I yeah. can see that becoming yeah. a uh, main rule. And then adding the objective control um, characteristic to, to oh, all sure. the War Scrolls. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah it just that's a me, no-brainer.
0: Yeah, it makes me really excited for like what we're going to see, hopefully, in products that are coming out very, very soon. And then when we do move into fourth edition, man, I cannot wait to see... Where Path to Glory goes, because yeah. again, th- I think we've really, really hit a design sweet spot, and I think it's only up from here. So I'm just, I think right. you're right. Oh, I'm so pumped to see what comes next. Yeah, amazing. Well, anybody else have anything else they want to mention for this episode at all? I think I'm good.
1: Excellent. No, um, when we see you all next, we will be in a post Dawnbringers release world. That is so, so exciting. I'm Can't excited I'm excited for the next episode. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> <it.
0: laughs> Amazing.
1: Okay, um, I'm going to leave. Which is now that I say that, I'm excited for the next episode so I can talk about it with all of you and have all the listeners know what's going on. Yes. I there will in the future I will record an episode that will have come out in the past for this episode.
0: <laughs> there
3: you <laughs> where
1: go. We talk about it. So it, we made. Really be...
0: You did such a good. You and Paul did such a good job with that. With that. Um, that episode.
1: Yes, thank you. I really appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely,
0: I... you guys rocked it.
1: Putting in a lot of work.
0: I I, I didn't know how the banana was going to become relevant, um, but I, I'm pleased to see that. Yeah, it worked around in the end.
1: Yeah. Honestly, kudos to GW on that one. Yeah, I
0: mean, truly, I didn't see it come in at all. So
1: I yeah. have to make a banana show
2: up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull it off.
2: Yeah. Exactly i i have faith in you
0: well dear listeners our fire has at last burned down to embers and we must take to the path once more if you enjoyed your time with us consider leaving us a positive review on your podcast platform of your choice or you can leave a tip over on our patreon at themortalrealms.com forward slash patreon if you'd like to share your stories with us and please do you can head on over to our twitter at path to story or you can chat with us anytime on our discord at themortalrealms.com forward slash discord Finally, if you'd like to keep his company on the road, Will, where can they find you online?
1: You can find me on Twitter at ageofsever, and you can find me in the Discord simply as Sever. Amazing. And Harry, where can they find you?
2: Um, most days you'll just be able to get me in the Discord. I'm at Buddy C, or just Harry. Um, they're in the uh usually in the Path to Glory channel. That's where I hang out um occasionally you can catch me on twitter i'm at toy soldier fun but i don't check that very often
0: yeah i was like you can occasionally catch him on twitter antagonizing 40k fans (laughs) it's a a whole
1: thing shaking a bee's nest and running away (laughs) yeah kicking the hornet's nose
0: and then running uh and finally i'm kieran and you can find me at underscore magpie paints you can find me on twitter and instagram with that thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll see you again very soon
3: A path to glory And K.O.S. and knows A path to glory